Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show. Today, I've got Cam Berry and Tom Peavy with me. We got our intern, TP Hammock, running the board and taking your phone calls today. Today on the show, of course, as always, we'll have birthdays of Sports Nightly TV Guy, but we're going to discuss uh, something that we were trying to discuss last week at the end of the week and kind of ran out of time. We're going to talk a little bit about the dynamics of professional athletes and the leverage that they have uh, created for themselves in the various pro sports. So we're going to have that conversation and kind of compare and contrast the three big leagues there and, and where all players stand and, and that sort of thing as they try to maneuver their way around through the various leagues we'll have a couple football topics for you here throughout the afternoon as well and a little bit about uh, our success or lack thereof it depends on how you put it on the diamond last night with the thunder chickens give you a rundown of what happened last night of course all your phone calls on the auburn make phone line 334-887-341 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine again ryan cam and tom with you here on this Wednesday, Tom, we'll start with you. How are you feeling, man? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, my, better than my voice, apparently. Uh, I'm feeling good. Uh, knees are a little banged up from uh, from last night, but uh, doing okay. Heartbreaking stuff with us last night, but yeah, like I said, we'll dive more into that. Uh, All Star Game, some some great stuff with the All Star Game uh, that went on last night, and uh, yeah, and, and we're ticking down the times, ticking down the clock until uh, SEC Media Days. That's it's, it's almost talking season. Absolutely. Cam Barry also on the show today. Cam, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. I've got some Hawks Summer League right in front of me, so I get to watch that. I get to watch some of our new draft picks play. Um, but, yeah, just um, got to enjoy the uh, MLB All-Star game last night. That was a good one. I, I really enjoyed it. Got to see an all-Braves infield I uh, saw some jokes on Twitter. It took the NL getting eight Braves players to finally beat the AL. Um, <laughs> and and that happened for the first time since 2012. So it's been just above a decade. Uh, and, um, yeah, just uh, ready to talk about that, ready to talk about, I guess, our pain from yesterday. And, um, yeah, uh, SEC Media Days, can't wait. Crazy excited now that we've got everything really set and locked in and uh, ready to get a move on. Yeah, we will talk a little bit about the MLB All-Star Game. All the Braves that were position players got time, got at-bats. Unfortunately, did not have much to show for that, but we'll talk a little bit about it uh, a little later. Let it, let's go ahead and uh, start it out with the, uh, the Thunder Chickens talk. So, last night, we knew that there was a winnable game on the schedule. We jump out to a lead, rather large lead, an 8-2 lead. And, you know, they cut it to like 
think then then to eight six, then we think we got, got one nine. insurance run yeah. to nine, and then we go to the top of the seventh up nine six, had a ball get through the infield. Me had I was I was being diplomatic. <laughs> uh, had a ball get through left fielder's legs. Not me. <laughs> had a ball on a tie. It, at this point, it become tied. And then had a ball dropped at second that would have ended the inning and led to a gapper that then cleared the bases, made it 12-9. Then we get to the bottom half of the inning, back of the order. Actually, we get the bases loaded one out. Our, our brother, Brooks Childress, pops out. And then your boy, yours truly, with two outs, top of the order, chases one high. Skies it high to no one in particular other than the shortstop, and that's how the game ended, twelve to nine. So uh, blew that one. Uh, really, the first choke job in Thunder Chicken's history. Yeah, first opportunity uh, to absolutely. even have a choke. Job. So we we had a lead in the playoff game last year, but it was so early. It was maybe like three to two in the yeah. second or third. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't classify that as a choke job. And then we tried to come back late and nearly did. Um, so very bitter taste. I was mad. I went off and sat by myself for a little bit, just mad at everything from the mistakes to myself, everything. Um, and then the second game we lost. Okay, but I felt better about it. We lost seven to two. So we, for the first time in our Thunder Chickens history, played fourteen <laughs> innings of softball in one night because we did not get run ruled either time. Uh, we played uh, basically Lee Scott's team. Uh, that has Tim Hudson on the team, and we lost seven two. We uh, we pitched and still made a few errors, but for the most part, made a lot of good defensive plays. Um, we just didn't get the powerful hits. We actually out hit both teams last night, and just in pure hits, we had more hits than yeah. the opponents both times last night. Uh, but we let in some runs defensively with errors, and then uh, we didn't. Other than Van, who just smokes the cover off the ball. Uh, we did not have the powerful hits. We did not have doubles, triples, etc. cetera, uh, and that has plagued us. We left a lot of runners on base. Um, and so ultimately, though, uh, it's, so, it's so tough to lose the way we did in the first game and just is. Um, led the whole game, led from the first inning on. So that one sucked. But I felt good about us not just going in the tank in the second right, game yeah. and then having a very competitive game with a pretty good team. So, I don't know. It, it, bitter, I mean, I don't even want to say bittersweet. There's not a whole lot sweet about it, but it was the most competitive softball we played in the regular season in our in our three years, honestly. Yeah, absolutely the most competitive that we played. I was not there for the second game, but I was able to play in the first game. Um, that was a tough one, tough one to swallow, and I had honestly – completely forgot about it until ryan mentioned it i was i was really upset i hate that we'd lost and so i guess i just like pushed it out of my mind completely uh ryan then was like yeah we're gonna talk about thunder chickens today and the loss and i was like oh yeah we blew a lead last night i forgot about that i went home and, <laughs> and watched the mlb all-star game and tried to forget and um yeah so that that was a reminder for sure 
for sure. But um, tough loss. Hopefully, you know, we, we can get some get one back. I think there's a winnable game on the schedule next week. Um, obviously, a few of us won't be here, so it'll be a little bit thinner of a lineup. I'm selfish. I'm rooting for rain. <laughs> uh, it's not it's Ryan not a lack of faith in the other guys. Ryan I just want to play. rooting for rain, um, which is understandable, and he wants to play, so I get it. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll see if it does end up raining. You never know. Um, so Tom, I mean, pain, I know, though. I know, pain. uh, Hate look, we're, we're, uh, we were, jo- I was, or I was joking the dugout. I don't know if anyone else found it funny, but I was joking the dugout the saying games like we've cleared a very small, low bar. Yeah. We can now move the very low bar up a foot or up an inch or two, but, um, yeah, we. I mean, think about it though. The, the the best way of putting it is for the first time we played fourteen innings of softball one yeah. night. We didn't have a time limit game. We did any of that run rule. We played all fourteen innings yeah. of softball last night. Maybe that's why I'm so sore. I'm, I'm we're, so used, we're not I'm, used to it. Yeah, I'm so used to like getting our brains beat out in three or four innings that you know never really get a chance to get tired. But I, I'm tired from this one. Uh, the, that first game just oh man, that one burns because that that was the golden opportunity. I don't know that we get another opportunity like that Quite because like that, there's yeah. so many just teams that are just better. This is the first time that I can say that the Thunder Chickens were the better team on the field, and unfortunately we still did not get a win. Um, but we were better than that team. We, we were hands down better than that team, and we blew it in the last inning. Uh, but it was really before that because our bats just went silent. I mean, we scored so many runs early that yeah, eight I'm, and two I'm, innings. Yeah, I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, "Oh my gosh, we might run. Rule. We might yeah. actually run rule this team because we scored eight and are we scored what seven in the first or is it five of the first, five three in the, the first, second, uh, I think, yeah. But then, but we were getting them like one, two, three. Yeah, and yeah. I'm I'm sitting there thinking, wow, but we may actually run rule these guys, and then they added that tenth fielder, and it made. All the difference. It did. Yeah. I mean, they did because they had the nine difference. at least in the yeah. first inning. And we were able. I mean, a, you know, guys were you guys were able to just gap them and, and put them, you know, in that in the area because they couldn't cover all of that field. But then they added that that tenth yeah. that tenth fielder, and I mean, literally made the entire difference in how they were able to play. Yeah, and and, and of course, with me, I I am very very competitive. I, I am. I am probably too competitive. I've tried to get out there and just have fun and relax and just say, hey, you know, it's all fun and games. I'm so damn competitive, but with myself. So when I'm screwing up, I I get livid with myself. The fact that I gave up the plate three times in that game, I hit two little stupid little grounders. I beat one out because they got through the ball away, but then I got, you know, the other was just an easy ground out. And then I looked, and the guy, uh, their left fielder was playing way up. And, I mean, he was leaving everything for me behind him. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to just bomb one over this kid's head and just keep on running. And popped it up, just pop out. And, and then, of course, and in the last inning, I have a ball hit my way. I, I pride myself on my defense as being one of the surest fielders in the infield, and we saw that in the second game with some of the plays I made, we were able to make. But this one, for whatever reason, I decided to Olay one. I, I didn't get in front of it. I thought I could just play it off of my left side, and it went right up under my glove. And so screw up number four for me in that game. And I'm like you. I, I went and just sat by myself. My uh, Michelle, my girlfriend, was – 
sitting with me trying to show me stuff on her phone and all that. It's like, I, I really don't care right now. I didn't say that to her, but I, I was just so angry. That was the mood, yeah. I was so angry with myself and so it. angry that we let that game slip away from us. And I was like, yeah, I just kind of want to just sit and just yeah. not fool with anything. That uh, that was aggravating. Uh, yeah, second game, absolutely. Second game felt yeah. I mean, it felt a lot better. The defense, man, we were just making play after play. Like you said, we just couldn't get the hits, uh, the the crucial hits. And of course, I make the last out in that game, which I can't say anything because I absolutely blistered one yeah, right up the middle. Hard. Yeah. Oh, I smoked yeah. one up the middle with with runners on base. I mean, this is going to be an RBI. Absolutely drilled one up the middle, and I guess it was their shortstop ranged all the way over behind the bag and made a play and like flipped it some weird flip or something to second for a force out and i was like you got to be kidding me and even tim hudson ran up to me he's like man they can't be doing that to us old guys <laughs> i was like yeah <laughs> i was like <laughs> i was like they had I was like I, I i mean i don't know what else to say about it that was like the that was like the um cherry on top of of <laughs> poor games yeah. that I that I played. Other than making a couple plays, uh, you know, I snagged one from a snag two from Tim Hudson uh, at third base. But as far as me offensively, that was definitely the cherry on top the, of just absolutely smoke one into the gap, and all of a sudden their guy makes some highlight real play to end the game. It's like you, you just got to be kidding me that this is not how my game is going to end. But the so defense did. that they played was very impressive because we had. Um, Probably just as many hard hit balls yeah. in the second game as in the first one. Uh, there was a sequence where the guy in front of Tom line drive the third, Tom line drive the third, yeah. somebody else then hit a nubber and they made hair on. It's like oh, <laughs> the exit veal was like half here, right. and that's the one that reached and then made another good play. They were making good plays all night long and uh, really kept the score down. It was tough um, from an offensive perspective, but the fact that we uh, had a game where we gave up single digits there, uh, encouraging, because obviously we're used to getting run rule, which means we always give up more than 10. Um, and I think that we've found a lot of different good positions defensively to put people. Um, but I, you know, just more clutch hitting, more powerful hits, which is something that I don't know at the end of the day if we're really capable of that. Um, but drop a couple top ones again in the aggregate lost by eight runs last night, which again, I'm, I, these tell you how low the bar was to clear, but the moral victory side of it, if we were always getting run ruled, even the two losses combined by deficit wouldn't have been a run right. rule yep. last night. So if you look at it that way, again, we played our most competitive games and, uh, sequentially ever. So, uh, you know, there, it's just, uh, it's been a little tough to score in those games. Going to have a good chunk of the team out next Tuesday. So that's, again, why I'm joking about the the rain element of it. We know there's always a rain out somewhere in the summer. So prefer it to be when half the team's not here because we got our guy Matt Humphrey's not going to be there. Then uh, us three here in the studio. Then you got Brooks and Brian also out. So by numbers-wise, we'll be down to about ten guys or so, maybe nine. Uh, so we'll need everyone to play there. But, uh, yeah, no, it's still encouraging, t- tough to lose the way we did in the first game, but had a lot of fun uh, last night for sure. We're going to go ahead and take our first break of the show today. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Barry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls today. We are lamenting the losses last night. Again, I'm not trying to be – look, if we had lost 12-9 to the way we did and then blown out 16-2, to I'd be like, yeah, there's just nothing redeeming about yesterday. But there was real growth shown when you can – keep another team that's used to winning some games down to seven to two there uh, you know so i'm not as i'm not as negative about it as i was the the minutes after we had collapsed in the first game and i was just wanting to not be there at that moment so let's go to the auburn bank phone line for the first time today 334-887-341 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine up first today James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that I'm uh, actually counting down today to college football and uh, seeing what Auburn is actually going to do um, when we actually play against uh, UMass University uh, for for an amazing uh, historic uh, record and uh, in Jordan Harris Stadium as well. And I know this is going to be a huge turnout this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the crowds are going to be great this year. We know all the season tickets that were sold. They sold out of season tickets. It was a record number of season tickets. And I know that they still have some individual group packs and that sort of thing available for UMass, but still the first game of the season, first home game, first game of the Hugh Freeze era. So I think there's going to be a lot of excitement. Obviously, it's a team that Auburn expects to, to beat handily, but still going to be very exciting to – as we always look forward to the the talk of the beginning of football season, and you know, really, we're at a time in the summer as we transition into uh, mostly football talk, especially starting next week with media days. So, really excited about the season, and I know that Jordan Hare Stadium will be will be full and very excited come first week of September. Yes, as well, because I know that would be um, a really good uh week for for me to actually be out there in person but not this year so i'm going to watch all the games this year on tv and uh seeing uh what the overall record is actually going to look like for hugh freeze as well and maybe uh seeing auburn actually make it to a bowl game this year what do you think the record's going to be this year um i'll actually have to say that would be i'm probably going to lean like 12 and 3 Yes, it feels like a, a couple extra ones in there, uh, playing 12 regular season games. And I guess, you know, if, if a team, if the playoff had been so big, you could end up playing 15 and that sort of thing a couple of years down the road. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that three three losses somewhere uh, is probably uh, around the ceiling, maybe four uh, somewhere in there would be likely. But, uh, but yeah, uh, they were certainly going to be aiming to uh, try to have a big start to the Hugh Freeze era. Yes, as well. And then I'm actually going to be counting down the days to the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame Enshrinement Ceremony. And uh, there is actually going to be, this year, it's going to be actually 60 uh, former 
head coaches that are going to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And um, it, it's going to be a really good week for me because I know that's going to be um, a very jam-packed weekend for me in, April, in August. So I'm going to be uh, looking at the Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony. I'm going to be looking at the Hall of Fame game and looking into the 2023-2024 season and uh, seeing in my crystal ball two teams that are actually going to be playing uh, in Super Bowl 58 that's going to be played in Las Vegas, Nevada. So I'm I'm just trying to see what teams that I'm actually going to see, like what two teams would play in uh, next year's Super Bowl as well. Well, and you sense a, a, a busy time in August for you, and I believe uh, uh, you had a uh, Twitter exchange with our very good friend Tom Peavy, who's on the show today, about uh, you've got a uh, you got a beach trip coming up in August. Yes, I actually do have a, a beach trip that I'm actually thinking about uh, coming up in August. I'm actually going to be going to our Myrtle Beach, or um, or actually going to uh, Panama City Beach, Florida. So I don't know where it's actually going to roll the waves on that one as well. Yeah, you kind of can just see where the, the waves take you because those aren't decidedly two different locations. So uh, I don't know if you want the white sand beaches of the, the panhandle there in Florida, if you want to go up to, to South Carolina. I know Myrtle Beach is beautiful too, but uh, you can't go wrong with a good beach trip. Yes, as well, because if I actually do decide to go out to Panama City Beach, uh, Florida, it's going to be really nice uh, hanging out with my family. Uh, playing some miniature golf, uh, doing go-kart racing by myself, and just having the best time of the nightlife there in Panama City. Absolutely. Go-kart racing is a, a lot of fun, too. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually um, going to be looking at uh, some uh, summer league games. I'm actually going to be seeing my Dallas Mavericks and seeing uh, what we're actually going to do against the Golden State Warriors. I'm thinking that this these two teams on paper, they look good. But I think if it was the regular season in the NBA, if the NBA season started like today, I would probably say these two teams would look like uh, a playoff, like in the in the playoff uh, final, in the NBA final uh, of the regular season, if this game was like a regular seasonal game as well. Yeah, so some uh, different concepts there for what might happen to them in the, in the season. But certainly – those two teams will be vying for playoff position. I don't know uh, how certain it is just because there's going to be so many good teams in the West. They might have to go through the play-in, that sort of thing. But uh, I know that the goal for both these teams is to win, and that is going to be a, um, uh, a big deal for these two teams. Yes, that's all because I know it's going to be so far down the line for the play-in tournament. This will be my second time actually watching the play-in tournament and um, actually seeing some new players and, um, you know, the player from uh, San Antonio, uh, um, uh, Wimbin and Victor, Victor Wimbenyama. Yeah, I'm going to just say Victor just a short. Yeah, so for sure. I know his, yeah, so it's going to um, – I think he's going to have a good season this year with um, – with uh, San Antonio, and I think San Antonio, the San Antonio Spurs, I, I look at them as a as an NBA Finals this year. I don't know about the NBA Finals, but the I think uh, adding adding Wimbenyama, he's a generational talent. They should be pretty good, um, and and it'll be exciting to watch him. Did you did you watch him at all when he played the two games of summer league, James? Uh, yes, I actually watched his first game. His first uh, uh, first game was amazing. Um, 
And his second game was outstanding. So he really did some really good uh, jump shots. I mean, like really just jumped right off. Like didn't even jump off the off the court. Just like bounced on his tiptoes and just laid every shot in. I was like, yeah. wow, this this guy is like an amazing, like an an amazing player that most people that play NBA 2K video games. I mean. I don't know if they put him in the game, but I think this guy would probably be in there in the game some point in his career. Oh yeah, absolutely. He'll he'll be in the in the newest version of two K twenty four. He'll uh he'll definitely be a cheap uh, cheat code. Uh, that's for sure. Being seven foot. Uh, seven foot five so it'll it'll be something to watch for sure and and he'll be fun to play within the game um what else is on your mind today james well i'm actually looking at uh the WNBA uh games i'm going to be uh looking at before the all-star break that they're going to take in and i'm actually going to see uh since uh sabrina unescu um i'm actually going to be watching her and um i know they're going to be playing against my dallas wings so i'm going to be uh, looking at my Dallas Wings and uh, seeing if we're going to take our winning uh, record up to New York and uh, seeing if we're going to beat the uh, Liberty as well. Yeah, are you going to watch the WNBA All-Star game? Um, yes, I am. I'm actually going to be watching that as well because this will be my first – no, this won't be my first time ever watching it. This will be my second time watching the WNBA um, and seeing uh, some great players that I've actually picked. So yeah. I'm actually going to be excited for that one as well. Yeah. Anybody in particular that you're looking forward to watching? I I'm, I think I'm going to watch like Kelsey Plum. Uh, I want to watch Sabrina Ionescu play a little bit too. Uh, and Atlanta Dream, they got a player in, Ryan Howard. So I, I want to watch her as well. Yes, as well. And then on um, my list, I've actually picked uh, before the All-Star um, selection, I picked uh, Donna, uh, Danner Bonner. From, yeah, Dewana, uh, Dewana Bonner. Yeah. Dewana Bonner. I picked her in because I knew she was a uh, a a great player at Auburn, so I had to put her in there as well because Absolutely. you know with with her um, with whatever whatever she did on and off the court, it was really amazing to see an a Auburn player playing in the WNBA. So I had to give her that opportunity to get her feet wet in the All Star game as well, and she's one of my favorite players that I've actually seen play at Auburn as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. War Eagle, she, she's a real talent for sure. Uh, anything else you got on your mind to share with us today? Um, I'm actually going to be um, watching this coming up week. I'm actually going to be watching Shark Week all weekend long as well. Heck yeah. I caught a shark down in Florida Saturday. Oh, wow. I I didn't know. I I was trying to look for the picture for it yeah. on my Twitter uh, page. Yeah, you should have posted it, Tom. I, I, didn't, I didn't get a picture of it. I got it to the it – was, it was down in the water at the pier, and so I couldn't get it up onto the pier. So there was not really a photo opportunity with it. But I, I absolutely caught a shark Saturday. Yes, as well, because I know, uh, you know, it, it's something amazing when this shark week. I love it. I, I actually love it as well. And uh, this this coming up uh, week, I um, I might as well go out with a big bite and uh, have some shark trivia for today. Shark trivia for today. Oh man, I I uh, I think Tom, you're gonna look up I'm some try stuff. To get some... All right, Tom's gonna get you some uh, some shark trivia to. Um, so you're gonna watch Shark Week all week. 
James? All week. All week, man. Oh, you're locked in. I used to watch it a little bit here and there, Shark Week, but uh, now, you know, I don't have as much time to watch it, but I definitely used to enjoy watching it, um, watching all the all the different shows and, and different things that have to do with Shark Week for sure. Yes, as well. So I'm going to be watching Shark Week. I'm going to be watching some uh, shark movies. and Yeah, you're going to watch Jaws? I'm going to be watching Jaws. One, two, three, four, <laughs> five, Jaws 3D. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be awesome for me. Absolutely, man. That'll be awesome. Tom, you got something for us? Uh, let's see. All right. I'm trying to pull up some questions here for you about some sharks. Um, oh, okay. So uh, what what is one body part or part of the body that most animals, even humans have? Everybody has it. But sharks do not. Oh, let me see this one. Um, I would actually have to say that would be, I'll take a big bite out of this one. I'll probably say that would be the nose. No, not quite. It's in, it's inside their body, inside their body, something that sharks do not have that most all other animals this do. This is a tough question because I don't know the answer. I, I don't know what the answer is. Um, it's inside their body. Um, I would have to say that would be like their teeth. Oh, no. That, sharks definitely have teeth. They've yeah, got those, yeah, those are scary, man. Scary yeah. teeth. No, James, sharks do not have bones. Ah. Ah, okay. I was I was somewhere around in that in that oh. uh, area. Yeah, they they are a special type of fish known as elasmobrox, which translates into fish made of cartilaginous tissue. So they have cartilage, they just don't have bones like everybody else. Wow. It's pretty pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. so uh what does what does shark uh, shark skin? They say it feels like something. Do you know what shark skin feels like? Oh man, I know this one because um, this one I actually, to be honest on this question, I actually know this one. Um, I think it's smooth. I would have to say the shark skin is really smooth, like. Mm, I'll probably say like a leather uh, jacket as well. It's pretty pretty close, but uh, shark skin feels like sandpaper. Uh, shark okay. uh, shark skin feels exactly like sandpaper because it is made up of tiny teeth-like structures called placoid scales, known as dermal denticles. So, yeah, mm-hmm. shark skin is going to feel like sandpaper. Okay. Um, let's see. Trying to find you one more question here. Um, do you happen to know how long sharks have been around? Oh, I know this one. Um, I think sharks have been around. Oh, I would actually say because I know they're they've been around for quite a long time. Uh, a very, very long time. Because they're right, they're like number two right behind the turtles, the sea turtles. I, I'm not sure about, they may be, but uh, yeah. I mean, this Gotta is... Gotta guess a lot of years Yeah, here. lots and lots of years. This, this is like dinosaur age. 
Um, I would have to say they've been around, I'll probably say like six to, well, I'll probably say like 700 years. Yeah, got to go way, way, way higher than that. Uh, throw throw a million in, in there. In millions. Um, I'll probably say mm, I'm actually going to take a big, a big chunk out of this one. I'm going to say like 200 years. 200 million? 200 million years. 200 million years. You're getting close. Um, based on fossil scales found in Australia and the United States, James, scientists hypothesized that sharks first appeared in the ocean around 455 million years ago. Wow. 455 million years. It's tough to comprehend. Years. That's a big number. Yes, that is. Actually, that is. Um, a huge number as well. Yeah. Uh, well, that was uh, some fun trivia there, James. And uh, any final thoughts where we got to let you go? Well, um, with Auburn football season coming in, um, I would like to see what Peyton Thornton is actually going to do this year. And I'm hoping he'll do a great job at Auburn and uh, seeing if Auburn is actually going to – I'm actually going to see um, what we're going to do at the end. Um, if we beat Georgia and Alabama. So I think this is going to be our year with Hugh Freeze. Um, if we beat Alabama, I'm sorry to all the Alabama fans out there, this is not your year to win another national championship. We will see. Uh, absolutely. Well, we appreciate the phone call today, James. All right, sounds good, and I'll talk to y'all guys tomorrow. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to go to our next timeout of the show, one final segment in hour number one, coming up right after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Brian LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. It was not going to be a wacky Wednesday. No. But Shark Week got us. I was not aware that it was Shark Week. Shout out to James. So we're going to do some shark stuff in hour number five. As a uh, as a may not be a full wacky, may not be a full hour, but it's going to be. A, I, I think it, it may not be Shark Week like Discovery Channels, but it's Shark Fest is on another have, channel. Oh, okay. I Maybe is that also. like the, is like the pregame for Shark Week? Maybe <laughs> I don't know. It's what, a, Shark Week apparently a Discovery Channel is. It's just in August. It's been all over the place this summer. There's more sharks at the beach. You caught a shark. Yeah. Uh, James won in shark trivia. I've just this is the the summer of shark. This year, I mean, I just, 
I don't know what else to say. I've never I've never seen more about it. I, it wouldn't shock me if they're like, oh, we're going to do a Jaws remake now at yeah. this point. Please don't. It's, I think you're not going to do a better job. Oh, you know what? There is a shark movie. Yeah. The Meg 2 the is Meg coming 2, out in like three weeks. And it looks not good. Did you see the first Meg? No, I didn't. It was respectable. Really? I'm not going to say like it was great cinema, but it was it <laughs> was fine. Quality. It was fine. Like yeah. like other other movies have done far worse than That's that. Fair. Uh, That's fair. You know, 47 meters down wasn't half bad. The first one, I don't know yeah. if you ever saw that. Um, I th- what was it? Uh, Deep Blue Sea with LL Cool J and uh, Thomas Jane, maybe like I'm a early two thousand. NATO guy. See, people like Sharknado, obviously a parody. Um, Brooks should should tell you more about Sharknado. Oh, man. I, I, I've seen... So, I've so seen to clarify, it's, it's Nat Geo's Shark Fest 2023 is uh, basically kind of running through July. Okay. So that that's what it is. Not Shark Week as far as Discovery Channel, but it is Shark Fest on Nat Geo. Right. No, so, okay. So not the official Shark Week, but a different Nat rendition. Geo's yeah, version of a it. a different rendition. Gotcha. So we will do something with that in hour number three is kind of abbreviated, uh, abbreviated wacky yeah. Wednesday. We'll have some shark facts. Yes, shark facts, and uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, it'll be fun, fun to do on the fly. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing today? Uh it's raining cats and dogs here, and uh, crocodiles too. Maybe who knows? And uh, sharks. And sharks. <laughs> Good afternoon, guys. And in the words of uh, Michael from the office, after last night's doubleheader, especially the first one that you lost. No, no, no. Right. I, I was pretty much saying that exact same thing on third base last night when I was watching that lead slip away, and you know, a, a play at second that goes off a guy's glove that would have been out. One of our surest handed, one of the, not the one of the best, our best player, our, the, our absolute best player, one of the most sure handed left fielders that you could possibly imagine has one drop. I'm going to call him a scrub for the next week. He has one drop. And it's like, man, I mean, we just, we absolutely choked that game away. Okay. Well, uh, you were by chance wearing Auburn jerseys, were you? Oh, no. no we no. we, we had the official Thunder, Thunder Chickens Chicken. jerseys. Okay, because usually that kind of stuff happens when Auburn's playing. You know, they got a game supposedly in hand, and not so fast. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what happened with us. Okay, well, you know, there are no more victories. No. Uh, however, you guys are getting closer to a win. You know, every loss gets you that much closer to a win, guys. Well, we're hoping so. We're hoping the wind is coming. Okay, speaking of wins, last night I saw the tail end of the, uh, the All Star game, and Guys, uh, I hope I don't come across to me uh, as being maybe uh, in any way uh, anti-Hispanic uh, because I'm not. I have some very good friends who are Hispanic. Uh, my best friend is. But i got to ask this. I know nothing about this guy, but he won the MVP. And Mr. Diaz, oh. I don't know how long, how long he's been in the U.S., guys. He could not even say baseball's been very good to me. He yep. didn't have an interpreter. What's going on with him, guys? I mean, I, I know that still several of the Braves players uh, who have been over here for several years uh, do not speak at least fluent English. They I still mean, the use, still doesn't really. Yeah, they, he didn't speak a word. He had to have an interpreter. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, so I, I think, um, look, I mean, that's just 
part of the game. That's something that you get a lot of players that uh, are okay. from uh, Latin America. Cuba, yeah, and, Cuba, and Cuba Dominican, Dominican Republic, Republic right. uh, Puerto Rico, um, Mexico. Also, I mean, he didn't speak a word of English. Now he didn't even say thank you or, you know, I remember Felipe Lou from the Braves would say, baseball been very good to me, you know. At least he could say that much. I'm saying, okay, how has this guy not been in the U.S.? He plays with a bunch of people who are not Hispanic-speaking. They're English-speaking. Right, and I—I I mean, I'm sure they're working on it, but I mean, yeah. the look, I—I like I—I mean, again, I—I—I don't—I it would take me a long time to master language, and if I—if I'm going to say something wrong, you know, I don't want it to make it be like one of the movies where yeah. someone thinks they're saying right and they make fun of them with subtitles yeah, yeah, yeah. and it says something well, completely well, different, just, you know. I found it completely incredulous. At least, I mean, I took some Spanish, and I could at least, you know. If you ask something, I said, gracias, gracias for the award, you know, or uh, uh, my name is, you know, uh, whatever, you know. Uh, I, but he didn't say anything. I said, wow, how long has he not been in the U.S. maybe, you know? So I just was curious, guys, to educate me. Um, how long has he been on the team? I I don't know. I do know that was his first All-Star game, his first uh his his first appearance there, I know that uh, I I think you're talking about uh, Diaz, um, and I know he's like 32, but I don't know you know too too much about him. Um, but I mean, hey, it's just a part of it. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Um, he played good baseball, and hey, you know that that's really what we're here to watch. And eventually, he'll learn the language. Maybe you know, and maybe if even if he doesn't. He's here to play baseball. <laughs> He's well, not here to learn know, English. In the words of again, the Atlanta Braves, uh, Felipe Lou, baseball been very good to me. So we'll take it from there. Moving on, guys. You know who's going to be representing us in the SC Media Days from Auburn, right? Yes, uh, we talked a little bit about this on Monday. Uh, we've got uh, what is it, uh, Luke Deal, Luke Deal, Cameron um, Stutz, Cam Stutz, Cam Stutz and, and Elijah McAllister. Yes, Elijah McAllister. Okay, I would have definitely gone with Luke Deal. I'm asking about the other two gentlemen. Would you pick any other people, or do you think those are the best selections? Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of the, the I mean, so-called stars for Auburn, I mean, there's they're not really, pre- I mean, there's not a lot of them, and obviously there's been stuff going on with Jarquez Hunter. They're not going to take a quarterback because there's a battle there. They got so many new wide receivers. Uh, they brought in so many transfers. There's just not a, I mean, there wasn't really no-brainer, big-time yeah. options, honestly. Yeah, uh, Zach Blackerby, when he was doing uh, his podcast, he was surprised that DJ James wasn't selected. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, Cameron Stutz is a starter, apparently at left guard. Um, Luke Deal obviously was an easy choice as, you know, he's been a leader. And then uh, McAllister is a transfer, so maybe he's just kind of stood out a little bit um, and and in leadership quality, and, and Hugh Freeze decided that he would be the best option. Okay, I just didn't know if you guys would have had some other people. Uh, and I, I like um, the James Hall. He might have been there, but he wasn't chosen. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're going to be on Tuesday, we're, uh, which is odd for Auburn. Usually, uh, last day, the last, the last few years. day, aren't they? Yeah, last few years, it's been the last day. Yeah. All right, moving on, uh, guys. Uh, this uh, came up uh, to my attention, and it's about the NBA is approving some. Uh, New uh, penalties, upcoming uh, season. Did you read that? Yes. yes, and I think they're both very yes. welcome changes. Yes, very very welcome changes. So now flops are going to be 
uh, penalty even more scrutinized, yep. and there'll be called technical fouls. Love yep. it. Yep. Okay. But uh, now there will be uh, some fines along with that, but they're going to be, I guess, decreased from what they used to be, only $2,000 for the first time. But it used to be, I think, 5000 in the past. Yeah, I yeah. think the the biggest thing though is those guys. You know, they still point in position. Either way, it's not a, a big amount of money to them. So actually penalizing the team in various ways because some of these guys do it four or five times a game. So if you get four or five flops in a game, that uh, then you're going to start to really yeah. hurt your team. Costing your team points and, not, and possessions. They won't be, be thrown out of the game though. No, I, I I think it's some sort of weird other technical foul. Like it doesn't accrue towards being disqualified. Right. And then they said they can actually go back retroactively uh, after maybe another, uh, maybe a foul or something else, going, and they can look back and say, hey, that, that, that needs to be a flop. They can go back and, and, uh, and review uh, a flop. I guess in the past they couldn't do that, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. they definitely weren't reviewing flops. No, I'm not sure weren't. on exactly all the parameters. parameters. Yeah, exactly, that they would be able to that, to review a flop. But, uh, but yeah, the, and the second challenge – Part of it might come into it too. Well, where uh, if you get your first challenge right, you get a second one. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Been wanting okay. that. So you think that's good because it says here while coaches cannot directly challenge a flapping, uh, flopping violation, uh, officials can retroactively call one upon review or challenge of another play. Okay. Yeah. So um, you're thinking this might actually. Have people rethinking their uh, flopping? Oh yeah, it'll it'll drop it down for sure because now it's it's truly affecting the game. It's 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 you're losing points and you're losing a possession. So uh, you know that is always crucial in an NBA game. Usually, the possession battle is is the team that ends up winning. So um, that that's going to be a major change. I I'm so ready to see this. Okay, does this um, have any impact? on college basketball games. No. <laughs> no, I won't. Not at all. I mean, will they be doing something similar? Nope. No, I don't. Not, yeah. not, as, of, not as of right now. Okay, because I know I thought they were overdoing it sometimes on flops. You know, they were just so subjective. Now you know, is there any objective way to say, yeah, that's a flop? Yeah, I mean, look, there'll be bad calls with this too. I mean, yeah. inevitably, you know, you it's make more human, judgments yeah. than you'll have some error, but – that's uh, still something the game absolutely needed because it was getting to be a foul fest and a flop fest, and uh, those are not the more entertaining parts of basketball. All right, I know we're close on time, so I always appreciate your time to give you guys. Uh, there's something that came to my attention. Uh, you can get it at, Ralph, at uh, Reuters.com, but there's a homeless world cup in soccer, guys. I didn't know it, and it's occurring in California. Did you know that? I did not know that. At first I thought it was a joke. Then I read it. It's, it's serious. Uh, hundred soccer players says here uh, from around the world will be playing uh, started this past Saturday in the Homeless World Cup. It's an international competition, and this year just happens to be in California. It's a 40-team tournament, which started from on July the 8th and ends on the 15th, and it's at California State University in Sacramento, California. And since the foundation is sponsored, has more than 100,000 players in leagues across the globe, and about 500 of these players participate in this uh, championship. Uh, and I think it's pretty neat. What they will do is uh, the people who belong, or the co-founder of this Homeless World Cup uh, championship, uh, they offer homeless athletes a community for support and seeks to raise the stream of hopelessness. And then they'll also assist them in trying to get back into the uh, community of uh, being able to secure 
uh, uh, residence and a job. And so I thought, wow, this is pretty uh, interesting that they have this kind of a, I, I guess, a, a competition going on for people who are actually uh, athletes. Uh, a lot of these people are refugees from other countries. Uh, you know, like Iran, Iraq, where they, you know, threw out these people, or executed people for, for not winning their their, their, their teams, you know, uh, countries' uh, 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 championships. So these are some of these people. Uh, they're uh, playing in these uh, games. And I thought, wow, this is pretty I just thought I'll bring it to your attention. You can read about it. So Borders has the uh, article written up on it. And tomorrow, guys, I want to have a a really uh, reasoned discussion on this because it's, it's coming up again. And it's entitled, What? The PGA Tour to the Senate. It's from Yahoo Sports sure. by Jay Busby. It says, We faced an existential threat that live golf would take over professional golf. It's a quote in testimony yesterday to the uh, uh, congressional hearing on this. So I'm going to leave it there because what was said in this by uh, some uh, representatives of the uh, PGA Tour, yeah. uh, which to me was, was quite uh, revealing and quite astounding. All right. With that, guys, we'll do, Steve. I'm out of here. Thank you for your time, as always. And I have not yet listened to the podcast, so I want to hear uh, the town's name, too, what you came up with. I look forward to that. We'll do. So, War Eagle, Steve. Till tomorrow, War Eagle, guys. Appreciate that phone call. As retired War Eagle, Steve, joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Back with hour number two after this. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. Our intern, T.P. Hammock, running the board and taking your phone calls today on the Auburn Bank phone line. Coming up, 5 o'clock hour, we will have a uh, shorter version of Wacky Wednesday. It all started with animals, in a way. Yeah, it did. So we'll have a uh, regression back to something more along those lines. No food or beverage today. That will be coming again at some point before the football season. Don't worry. So we'll do that in the 5 o'clock hour. Also a little bit later here uh, today in this 4 o'clock hour, we'll have that discussion about professional athletes and the proper amount of leverage that they have or should not have and how that's kind of progressed in the three major sports. But for now, let's do something we do each and every day, time for birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. 
Birthdays and sneezes in sports today. We've got LaShawn McCoy, who turns 35, former NFL running back, selected 53rd overall in the 2009 NFL Draft by the Philadelphia Eagles out of Pittsburgh. Go Panthers. Also played for the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time first-team All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler, 2013 NFL rushing yards leader, 2011 NFL rushing yards leader, 2010's All-Decade team. While at Pitt, he was 2008 Big East Offensive Player of the Year and a second-team All-American, two-time first-team All-Big East. LaShawn McCoy is 35 today. Yeah, he's from Harrisonburg, Pennsylvania, and he went to Bishop McDevitt High School there in Harrisburg. Go Crusaders. Crusaders. He said Bishop McDevitt? Bishop McDevitt. Okay, I can see how Bishop, Crusader. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Patrick Beverly turns 35 today. Current guard for the Philadelphia 76ers. Selected 42nd overall in the 2009 NBA draft by the Los Angeles Lakers out of Arkansas. Go Razorbacks. But elected to play basketball overseas before returning to the NBA in 2013. He was 2017 NBA All-Defensive Team. Two-time NBA All-Defensive Second Team. 2012 Euro Cup MVP. 2011 Russia Cup winner. And Russian League Defensive Player of the Year at Arkansas. Beverly was 2007 second team All SEC and SEC Freshman of the Year. And fun fact, he's also on the NBA 2010's All Pest team. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if he was a pest in high school, but he went to two. Uh, Wabansi High School is where he started out in Chicago, go Warriors. And then he transferred to John Marshall Metro High School, that's just shortened to Marshall. And they're the Marshals? No, they are the Commandos. Oh, the John Commanders. Yeah, yeah, the Commandos. The John Marshall Metro High School Commandos, also in Chicago. All right. So he was a Warriors and a Commando. I don't know if he went Commando, but he is a Commando. (laughs) And I don't want to know on that (laughs) uh, on that front. Patrick Beverly, he turns thirty-five today. Shea Gilgis Alexander turns twenty-five. Current guard for the OKC Thunder. Selected 11th overall in the 2018 NBA Draft by the Charlotte Hornets out of Kentucky. Go Wildcats. What was traded on draft night to the L.A. Clippers. 2023 All-Star, 2023 All-NBA First Team Selection, All-Rookie Team in 2019. At Kentucky, SGA was 2018 SEC All-Freshman Team and the SEC Tournament MVP. So uh, a little bit of a list here for uh, Mr. Alexander. He's from Hamilton, Canada. Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Started yeah, his sure. high school. He's been all over the place, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah. Started his high school career at St. Thomas More in Hamilton, and they are uh, Go Knights. Then he transferred to Sir Allen McNabb High School there in Hamilton, Go Lions. And then he transferred to Hamilton Heights Christian in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Go Hawks. Okay, so he co- was covering some animals there. Yeah. Well, not Anna Knights. So Knights, Lions, and Hawks. Oh, and Knights. I'm oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. St. Thomas Moore Knights, Sir Allen McNabb Lions, and the Hamilton Heights Christian Hawks. Three different. That's got to be rough, too, by the way. Yeah. That's uh, three and four years. Well, and he went from Canada to Chattanooga, yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> pretty he just Fair. jumped from school to school trying to, I guess, win, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander is 25 today. And then Howie Kendrick is 40, former MLB second baseman. Played for the Los Angeles Angels, Los Angeles Dodgers, Philadelphia Phillies, and Washington Nationals. 2011 MLB All-Star and 2019 World Series champion and NLCS MVP. So uh, Howie Kendrick is kind of odd. He he um, he was very small. He went to a tiny he went to a tiny high school in Callahan, Florida, West Nassau. Go Warriors. 
Uh, he was not recruited by anybody uh, because of his size and, and I guess his lack of baseball uh, time of playing baseball. But uh, he went to St. John's River Community College in Palatka, Florida, go Vikings, and then that's where scouts saw him playing, and they're like, oh my gosh, this guy's actually pretty good. Yeah. And he ended up, uh, he had actually gotten cut by a bunch of uh, junior colleges before uh, St. John's River picked him up, and he ended up being a MLB pro. I don't know if, I'll go ahead and I'll finish this off, Howie Kendrick turns 40. Those are the birthdays in sports. Again, LaShawn McCoy, 35. Patrick Beverly, 35. Shea Gilgis, Alexander, 25. And Hallie Kendrick, 40. I don't know if size is ever anything in baseball to actually scout. I know we're getting kind of obsessed with these big shortstops that are athletic and that right. sort of thing. But, dude, there are guys that look like they've eaten other humans. Yeah. And then there are <laughs> tiny guys that can hit 30 home runs. Right. Like, I, like what – I don't really think that there's ever a, a, a size deal, and especially now that we've got the designated hitter. Right. I mean, it's like, oh, he's five seven, but he doesn't have an infield glove. Okay, right. but can he hit three hundred? Yeah, can he hit twenty five homers? And then if you're six four two seventy, and you're like Daniel Vogelback or something, yeah, it's like, well, okay, I know you can't move a muscle, but can you swing the bat? Oh, you can. Okay, cool, I've got cool, this cool. great designated yeah. hitter spot. For I've you. got this spot right here for you. Right, it's right in the middle just of the line. for you. So uh, with Howie Kendrick, uh, it says you know he attended West West Nassau High School in Callahan. He was an undersized high schooler at five foot seven. Uh, sure. And, and so five. Isn't seven, Altuve about five eight five nine? So, yeah. So five yeah, seven maybe. Uh, and he did not have the benefit of being able to play five, travel six. ball. Um, he played before recruiters from several colleges, but received no interest until he enrolled at St. John's River Community College, where his name conference player of the year. Uh, by that, by chance, an angel scout, Tom Kochman, discovered him there in two thousand and two, and uh, the rest is history. Baseball always has the best stories of where you find people because yeah. there's so many Half rounds, so random. Yeah, there's so many rounds, and and look. You know, we just finished the MLB draft, and there's 20 rounds, which feels like a lot, and it still is. But remember, it used to be over double than that. Yeah. It used to be like 50 be or 55 deep. rounds, 54 right. rounds, something like that. You know, Piazza was taken in the 40-something round. It's just Ridiculous, like you, you have all this generic pressure from having first-round picks and wanting them to work out and all that thing, and then you find someone in the 40-something round that ends up being a Hall of Famer. You're like, oh, we passed on this right. guy 40 times? Yeah. That's nice. DJ you know, Uyunglele got drafted in the 20th round. I saw that uh, by the Dodgers. I have zero I clue. I had no idea he even played baseball. Yeah, and, I mean, he's certainly not going to play football no. in the next level, so <laughs> maybe he wants yeah, to give that a shot. try his hand there. I mean, sure, more power to him. Yeah. Uh, I do. While we uh, Before we take this next break, I'll go ahead. We'll put a bow on the MLB draft and, again, remind everybody, because I don't know if we covered the third-day guy uh, of the, the Auburn guys that got selected. Uh, so now that the draft is complete, you got Cole Foster. Again, he went 85th overall. Okay. You had Bryson Ware go 253rd, I believe, the Philadelphia. Okay. Chase Isbell went 439. I think that was 13th round. All right. And then you had the transfer, so, or you had a transfer, Sam Mongelli. That's the Sacred Heart yeah. uh, shortstop. Okay, remember that guy. He went, what was it, 10th round, we said, Tom? Yeah. 10th-ish yeah. round. round. Yeah. Okay, Chances and so. He signs or. You know, I really don't know, and I, I wish I knew more about it. Um, because I don't know if he was on the radar to get drafted. Right. Now, 10th round is not going to be some sort of life changing right. money, money, but. but I mean, it is drafted and out of Sacred Heart. <laughs> I, I don't get know. more out of NIL. 
and then, uh, yeah, I don't know about Might. baseball though. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd have to have to look at the numbers. I, I, I would feel it more possible if he was going to one of the absolute top schools right, like LSU. Right, right. But I don't know. I think that's at least not a huge difference, and therefore it, it seems still reasonable to come back. And again, the recruits that were drafted, you had Colt Emerson go 22. Kevin McGongle went 37. Totally assume those guys are gone. You had one more late guy, I think 11th round, Yorn Johnson, a, uh, a pitcher, went okay. out of high school. So, again, I, I don't know what his status would be in the 11th round. Again, I, th- those are going to be case-by-case basis, and mm-hmm. I just I, I don't know what, the, what to tell you right. in terms of that. Um, but so that's that's again an update on everyone that ended up getting drafted. Again, three current Auburn Tigers, one transfer, so one prospective Auburn Tiger, and then three high school guys, two of which we we certainly feel uh, will not end up coming to to Auburn. Uh, let's go to the Auburn Make phone line before we take our first break of hour number two three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger nine. Next up, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you doing today? Good guys, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Hey, um, when you say a player signs, what was that? You had a eighteen-year-old or thirty-second uh, pick or something? Did you say two million dollars? Is that what you said? Yeah, to, uh, two point one. I okay. think is the slot. Yeah. Now is that a signing bonus or is that a contract? Yeah, it's a it's a signing bonus because the contracts are very small. In Major League Baseball, even for the draftees, because they're not guaranteed to be on the Major League team. You know, these these salaries for minor leaguers okay. are, are again very small. So yeah, signing bonus is the big deal for these uh, these draftees. Okay, and that's just what I was about to say is how in the world does that work when they're paying all this money out to all these players? And I mean, I haven't. They're not all guaranteed to play pro ball, so that's what I was curious if they just pay them, you know. Two million, and they get free use of them, uh, you know, for five years or something. But that's not even the case. They still gonna have to sign a minor league contract and then a major league contract and all that. So, yeah, I mean, right. but again, we're talking okay. minor league contracts. They're like forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars most of the time. Yeah, shoot! I tell you what, you might as well go work at a radio station, have you? <laughs> I tell you. But now you know I'm picking on you. Hey. um, also, you know, I was just talking about home run hitters and stature and stuff like that. See, am I wrong? I'm not a an avid golfer. I'm an avid golf cart driver. You know, I go out with <laughs> Felt that. that golf. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm like the designated golf cart driver. But it seems like anybody, any stature that can drive the golf ball hits the mess out of a baseball. And I guess it's in the hits. I mean, because, like you say, I've got some friends that are 5'9", and, you know, 150 pounds, but they can knock the mess out of it. And they can knock a baseball just as far. You know, so, I mean, it's all technique is what I'm thinking. So, yeah. uh, and have have you all noticed that? Yeah, no, really a lot of it is technique. And, uh, again, it's Create you create a lot of the power through your hips and your hip drive and that sort of thing and 
Uh, certainly, these guys they just make pure contact too, and you know that's such yeah. a big part of it is finding the barrel of the bat or finding the sweet spot right. on the club, and and so those guys are just right. really good at being so repetitive with that. Yes, and I guess hand-eye coordination yes. and the hit. But like you say, it's all technique. But it it amazes me to see the you know just like Spud with Duncan, Duncan, and somebody five eight hundred fifty pounds just driving the ball two hundred to three hundred yards. You know, and then. Uh, winning the longest drive contest and stuff. You expect John Daly to do it. You don't expect, <laughs> you know, somebody small to do it. So. Sure. But, um, hey, Tom, real quick. Yeah. See if you – you don't answer this. See if these guys can get it. Maybe you don't know it. I graduated from Spencer High School in Columbus, Georgia. Yeah. Do you know what our – mascot is? I, I absolutely do. Yeah. I, I, you got to remember, I'm from okay. Columbus, so, yeah. Yeah, I do yeah, not. I figured you did. That's why I said you don't. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't. Original. Tell them what it is, Tom. It is the Spencer Green Wave. Oh, I like it. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and I guess, isn't that Tulane? Is Tulane's the... Yeah, Tulane's the Green Wave. The Green Wave. I wonder if they got an owl as a mascot. I'd have rather had an elephant or something, but we had an owl. <laughs> <laughs> I can't figure that one out, but... Uh, Hey, I appreciate y'all taking my call again today, and uh, we'll talk to y'all later on. Sounds good, Jeff. We certainly appreciate your call. That is Jeff from Columbus on the Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, no, I think uh, Tulane's using like a cartoon. Yeah, they've got wave. like a yeah, like like an, yeah, like they have a thing that's like dressed up like looks like a green wave. Right, it's literally a uh, it's got like a cartoon face and uh, all that on it, and it pretty much is uh, is yeah, it's. It's a cartoon, basically. It's not uh, not an owl, but uh, yeah, love that from uh, from Jeff. We're gonna go ahead and take our first break here of hour number two. On the other side, more sports call. This is the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine. please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show my name is my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 want more sports call check us out online at sportscallauburn.com Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Brian LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy having our own little apparel war. I like a lot of the different apparel, though. That's fair. I'm a, I'm I'm a, a, I am a one apparel man. Yeah. 
What's up, Tom? How are you, man? I'm good. I'm just listening to the yeah. apparel. No, talk. we're we're not really bickering. We're just we're yeah. just cutting. Up. I, I do got to say this though. Uh, we're we're talking with uh, about Spencer High School in Columbus, the Green Wave. There's one that's really cool. It's Jordan Vocational High School or Jordan. I guess most people call it Jordan. They are the Red Jackets. Mm. But the Red Jacket, and I just now figured this out. I knew it were Red Jackets, but I just assumed it meant like a. A B, like a yellow jacket, uh-huh. except they called it a red jacket. It's actually a Civil War cannon that was used in Columbus that was called a red jacket, and it huh. got thrown into the Chattahoochee and then found and then placed outside of the building that became the school, and so they were the red jackets. That is named after a Civil War yeah. cannon. Pretty yeah, cool. I like that. Uh, also, anyway. also want to date back to one more thing in that previous segment. I did look it up to verify. Jose Altuve's 5'6", yeah, has 30 home okay. run power. Ozzie Albies, who's on 30 home run pace, is 5'8". So, what? I yeah. didn't use that short. He's still small. Yeah, so, again, I don't know if size is really one of those things. Well, I mean, Acuna's not – I mean, Acuna's thick, but Acuna's, Acuna's not tall. He's like six, six, foot. six Oh, really? Is six he foot? really? Hang on. Five out. I was I, you know, I thought he was going to be six foot or six one. I am. Yeah, I, sure I bet. Totally. I think six one is right. I think six one. Okay, six double one check here real quick. On he's no Aaron yeah. Judge. He is six foot even. Six, six foot. foot. Yeah. Wow. So still no yeah, Aaron. Not, not, still no Aaron Judge. Yeah. Still no Freddie Freeman. Yeah. And uh, again, in baseball, someone informed the scouts. You don't have to be. Yeah. So, uh, let's do our discussion now on these three big sports and the player. Leverage as Cam celebrates, he's been chomping the bit to, to talk about this. That's why I did not want to get into it Monday or Tuesday. Um, this kind of is off the heels of, I know, a topic that not maybe everyone cares too immensely about, but the NBA topic of Damian Lillard asking a tr- for a trade. Also, James Harden, but really Lillard, who is basically to catch everyone up to speed in, in short terms, he's basically demanded a trade from Portland and has only given them one destination uh, where he wants to go, and that is the Miami Heat. Uh, and now that's causing this really slow plotting deal because Portland does not really like what Miami has to offer. They want to engage other teams. However, uh, Damian Lillard's agent is trying to discourage other teams from acquiring him, uh, saying that, you know, do you really want to get this guy when he doesn't want to be there and, and that sort of thing. And it got me thinking – it got me thinking about where we stand in the three major sports with player value and with guys that are trying to find different ways to move teams. And it feels like this is a, a bigger NBA deal because it seems like the players have kind of regained – I don't want to say regained as if they had it at one point, but they have – realized the value that the other sports maybe have not and realized a, a point of power that te- uh, guys in other leagues don't have. And I wanted to try to think through the big three leagues about how they kind of structure their players, their contracts, and then what it leads to when players try to get out of those contracts or try to move teams. And we look at the NFL, MLB, and NBA because they all do stuff that is – Pretty different. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, they, I mean, so let's go through some of it and remind everyone about how com- some of the basic contract stuff that's different. How they, how the leagues try to protect teams and, and how they try to get teams the ability to keep younger players and from leaving their markets versus how they reward players and at what point do they reward players? So, NFL, we know that these rookie contracts are 
typically like four right. year deals. Four years. Um, some some five some though, five right? i think there's a little negotiating there the the top guys can be five, five yeah, and then you the get the fifth year team. option which you hear right. get picked up by quarterbacks from time to time right that sort of thing the biggest mechanism to try and hold on to a player in the nfl is the franchise tag and that's something that the other two sports clearly don't have because that franchise tag can be at any point in someone's career it could be age 26 it could be at age 31 whatever um, and it's you know the top ten. You're, you're paid as a top ten percent guy at your position. That's the one year contract, and the guy can't get out of it. And I think you can do that twice to a player. Yes. Uh, the second time, that's it's even a bigger number. It's it might be top five percent or, or like top three highest right. or something like that. And so, but but basically, it's like your extra control on guys if you're not agreeing to a long term deal, which we see most of the time in the NFL. Most guys do not ever hit big-time free agency. Usually the teams work with those contracts. Even if those guys do end up with with franchise tags at some point, it just behooves the teams to hold on to truly valuable franchise quarterbacks. Yeah. NBA-wise, uh, you sign usually four-year rookie deals. Usually that's a two-year guaranteed deal with player or excuse me with team options the next two years then you enter restricted free agency that's when another team can try to sign that player but then you have the right to match that offer and the player can't do anything about it so you play four years you absolutely hate your situation you sign four years hundred million dollars for say uh, los angeles but (laughs) no portland or utah or some market you don't like matches you here you here you come you go back to that deal um and then you're restricted or you're not restricted after you've done a second nba deal and then unrestricted go anywhere mlb it's that very complicated i've explained it many times uh deal where you have contract renewable arbitration then you become unrestricted so first three years you have contract renewable which means the team basically tells you what you make and it's got to be a certain percentage of what you made in the previous year that way you don't start paying people less you pay them a little bit more but again aaron judge can have the 50 home run rookie year he ain't making 20 million dollars in year two he's making like six hundred thousand dollars something like that and then you can have this thing and it complicates things but i'll just real briefly super twos which is if you're at the top whatever percent of your position you hit arbitration a year early it gets complicated not deep diving in that but after year three everyone goes to arbitration years four five and six okay that means if you don't agree on a number between you and the player you go to an independent arbiter uh, assigned by the league and the players association the team submits say three million dollars for player a player a submits 3.5 million dollars and the arbiter decides which which value is better uh, and then that process goes on years four, five, and six. And then year seven, unrestricted free agency, nothing the team can do. You can sign for whatever with whoever. All right. So those are the three different contract structure, structures. Uh, had to do a little bit of a for sure. long yeah, yeah, winded yeah. deal Absolutely. to gotta give it, gotta get into it. Absolutely. Got to give a solid understanding. Of those three, because we'll also have to talk about the trade aspect and leverage aspect of it, uh, which model, which system makes the most sense to you? Is it, do you feel the sports truly dictate? different models or do you think that the model should align more similarly because look the years vary a little bit there uh but nba you can have several several years of control at least four but usually more like seven or eight 
Major League Baseball, you get six, but never more and never less. You get six. And then NFL, you get that rookie contract plus some franchise tags. So it ends up being about five, six, seven years of control, depending on what position you're talking about. So what do you think of all that, how they structure contracts, that sort of thing? Well, I don't. I mean, I I like that they all structure their contracts uniquely. Um, I, I think that's kind of what makes each sport different. I think if if they're all the same, you know, it it it, it might make it a little easier to understand the value of every athlete in every sport per se across all of them. But um, no, I, I like the way that I like the way that they they have them all separated and and how they they're different and unique in their own way. Um, I like. I like the NBA's way of doing things. I like when a player has a little bit more control, obviously outside of the unrestricted free agency part of it. Um, but then once you kind of get free of that and, and figure out um, where you want to be, what you know, how your value as a player, you can really dictate uh, what you want to do and where you want to go and, and those kind of decisions as long as you – sign the kind of right terms and i'll get more into that you know once we kind of lean more into like a dame conversation how we're going to get more into that but yeah i mean i like that they're unique in their own different ways yeah i I, yeah i agree with the the uniqueness now the thing with the nba so whenever you're talking about getting value out of a player i think nba is where you're going to get more value and a lot of that has to do with the fact that the rosters are just so small so you're you're looking at the absolute best of the best. I mean, obviously that's the case in any sport, but in NBA, the rosters are so small. And, I mean, you only right. have five on a court at a time and you have just a handful. So, I mean, this is the best of yeah, the best only 15 of the best. I mean, it's the best of the best of the best that are on these tiny rosters. So you have to give them more value because they have done more to reach that level. I don't want – I hate to say that they've done more than a, a – a, a, an NFL player, but those rosters are huge. I mean, you've got how many are on a one roster? 80? Fifty-three, yeah, I mean, and I think forty-six are active. Yeah, I sure. mean, yeah, and, and I mean, so, I, I get what you're saying, Tom, because in terms of the NFL, those players are the top five percent of the best in the world. Right. In the NBA, they're the top two percent. Right. In the world, they're like that. That margin of error, that three percent is yeah. huge. Like, so, so you have to, so you, so you have to, you, yeah. right? You have to do things in the NBA to value those players more because they are more valuable. Right. Just strictly, strictly off the percentages absolutely. of who they of are, how hard it is to get to where right. they are. You have right. to value that more. And then I and I would say NFL would be that next Major League Baseball. Um, I mean, you you high value certain guys, but I mean you can't. There are just so many professional baseball players. I mean, you you go through and you look at, a, at the minor league system, guys trying to come yeah, up, and I mean, you've a, got rookie, you've got like a couple of rookie leagues, you got single A, double A, triple A, and then you got your major league roster, which and all of them are packed with players. So it, it's hard to give strong value to the the backup shortstop in single A. Sure, he's a professional baseball player. He he is he is trying to get there, but and he's making money. But that money, you know, it's it's just not the same as those other sports. And then same thing in the major leagues. Once you get to that level, yeah, you can you can make high value out of those certain guys, but not like you do with the NBA. And so the structure, I, I like it. I don't think you can structure those differently. Or I'm sorry, I, th- I don't think you can structure them the same because of that value. Uh, you have to structure the NBA different because you are talking about 2% of all basketball players you have to structure that different for those guys 
Same thing with Major League Baseball. You have to structure that difference because you have so many players. And then, of course, with the NFL, you have so many players. So I, I, I definitely like the way that, they're, that they are structured differently like that. I, I think there's changes that could always be made and, and make things better in certain aspects. But, uh, uh, you know, that's just kind of my take on it right there is, is, as far as when you're talking about value of players. So you look at two – this is really the big, maybe even a bigger difference than what we just said. Because, again, in years, we're all talking within a two- or three-year time frame. Right. But the biggest thing with the difference in these contracts is guaranteed money in the NFL versus in the yeah. other two leagues. Oh because gosh. the other two leagues, your contract in large part is guaranteed. There can be clauses. There can be cute little things done, like you got to play X amount of games right. or kind of more incentive-based stuff. But the vast majority of NBA and MLB contracts, they are guaranteed. Right. NFL, it is the opposite. The vast majority are not guaranteed. That's right. why we see, well, you know, I'm just going to slap something fake on here. It's like, oh, you know, Derek Carr signed five for $200 million. You're like, what in the world? $40 million a year? Well, it's actually 112 guaranteed. And then right. you got $30 million if he does this. Hey, here's a Pro Bowl bonus. Here's blah, blah, blah. Right. And so it, it gets into there's a lot more – uh, performance-based yeah. stuff to get your money. Yeah, that's why NFL. They. That's why I feel like NFL has been, you know, essentially behind the power curve when it comes to guaranteed money. In terms of that, it's only been in the past, say, three, four, five years where guaranteed money, like players, are pushing hard right. for that guaranteed money, more guaranteed money, like Aaron Rod, like like that, like. Like that deal that Deshaun Watson got a fully guaranteed was deal, like was is unheard of in the NFL. Like absolutely unheard of. A fully guaranteed what two hundred and something million yeah. dollar deal. I I mean just something just for ridiculous. a guy coming off for a, a, guy a scandal, that, and, right? Yeah, a, a, absolutely insane. So so that's just something that was is unheard of in the NFL. That's why they they pushed so hard for this guaranteed money. Aaron Rodgers when he signed his contract with Green Bay ended up obviously getting traded to the Packers or excuse me to the to the Jets. Um, that guaranteed money that he signed with his contract. You know he's um he's he's, I mean it's a big deal when they're getting that guaranteed money It'd be because honestly, which is honestly just surprising of those three leagues, the NFL players put themselves at the most risk because they're I mean they're at the yeah. most risk for injury, so their careers actually last relatively shorter. Obviously, there's outliers in in every league of how long a player lasts. Like, you know, like Adrian Peterson played like a bunch of years in the in the NFL uh, as a running back. But I mean, the average NFL contract or the average NFL career is like eight years. You know, the, that's where you you really you're pro, you're in your rookie season. You really you perform pretty well. You go in. Yeah, NFL players, their biggest thing is to get to that second contract. Yes, it's to get to that second contract. You get that second contract. You can get past it after you get past your eight years, you know, six years, eight years, then you're good i mean you've seen players like andrew luck walked away after eight years i think right seven or six seven years somewhere around there luke keekley walked away after eight years um i mean just because of the wear and tear that the sport puts on calvin johnson was calvin early johnson retirement was an early retirement as well um in the nba in the mlb it's easier for your body to last longer because the sport is not near as physically demanding um but the but the money aspect of it um you know that that's why they they demand so much now in terms of guaranteed money 
it's just it's an interesting dynamic because I think Tom made a really good point about um, really you have a a smaller amount of players to yeah, pay. Absolutely right, and, and so like the the NFL salary cap is higher than NBA salary. Cap. I think NFL's is over two hundred million. Right, NBA's is like one thirty five or one forty right now. There's a new TV deal about to kick in, so right. it's starting to skyrocket. But you know, it is is a good percentage yeah. below MLB the NFL's. MLB no, does no not. Yeah, they they don't. Uh, and so it's bigger sa- market salaries there can can get a bit wild, or at least payrolls there. Uh, can get a bit wild, but it is such a fascinating dynamic because the NFL is the most valuable league. Uh, it, it's um, again, we joke about the brand of the Shield and that sort of thing, is and valuable. yet it is the sport with the least amount of guaranteed money for players. It leads me to the second part of this, which is where players have taken charge of their destiny, basically, and where uh, these players have have found uh, their ability to move needles and and move themselves the nfl we just don't see a lot of huge player movement i think that's also why the draft process gets so important because think about it like your franchise qbs are not readily available in the open market very often those teams lock those down yes you you can get some skill position guys but you're also going to be paying the 28 year old skill position guys the guys that are one bad injury away from it ending they're one you know, running back year away, we had the great running back discussion a few mm-hmm. weeks ago where 27-28, you start so to just fall off a cliff of uh, with, with, with more of those guys. And so that part of it gets very difficult. You're just basically looking for defensive guys. Again, NFL free agency, just not as big of a player movement deal. And so that leads you to, okay, the trade requests. The trade requests in these other sports, look, we just don't see it in Major League Baseball. I mean, I, I I'm trying to come up with a bunch of MLB trade requests, and there's there's a very rarely maybe like an inkling to trade a guy, but like these teams value prospects so much. Like the minute that they're not good, they they're trade gone. their guys. Gone. Yeah. They they sell at the trade deadline. They it's like they do it to them. It, do not, it I don't want to say do it to themselves. Like it's a bad thing, but it's like they they are so on top of it in advance that they don't even let it get to the point where the players yeah. disgruntled and tired of losing and all this and that. Yep. And then in the NFL, again, we talk about look. There are sometimes some trade requests from QBs, maybe a few times. Yeah. You know, we, we obviously saw the Rodgers deal here. You know, Stafford was was kind of a trade request, but it wasn't it really was amicable. You know, it or, was like, the lines uh, weren't yeah, opposed. They worked together because they understood where they both were in their positions. You in know, their, in career and franchise um, we, position. We see some disgruntled wide receivers that want the ball more. <laughs> most most right. I feel like maybe more trade requests than yeah. anything maybe happened at wide receiver. Uh, I think sure. so. Yeah. Um, They're the most <laughs> most dramatic right. group yep. on the field. Uh, and then in the NBA, though, we see trade requests a lot. Oh, my god! And it's not even always just the top elite guys. Sometimes it's just like the third best guy on team. Something like Corkmaz. Yeah. Right. <laughs> requested a trade and or peyton pritchard is requesting a trade for oh, the celtics yeah because he wants a bigger role because i mean uh, he, he thinks he can contribute more and he's just sitting there rotting away on the bench of the of the celtics not going to get any playing time right so, or and, at least significant playing time that matters and and so 
really, when we're looking at it, it's night and day what the NBA guys do. But it begs the question, why is it that way that the NBA guys have found a way to strong arm, arm these teams and trading them, and not only trading them at a higher rate, but trading them mainly to destinations that favor the player, not right. necessarily the team getting the package in return. Why have these guys been able to win out over other leagues? Is there just more unhappiness in the game? Is there less love of the game in basketball than in these other sports to where they, they want to find a sit situation more than actually just the ball on the court? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I mean, just... I. I'm, I'm trying to spitball yeah. reasons how this has gone so 180 yeah, for right. some of these NBA teams. Well, well, I mean, and that's the only thing I wonder. I mean, is it easier to do that in the NBA than the yeah, other place? I mean, that, that's my thing. Hey, I'm not happy. I'm going somewhere else. Kind and it's of, easier to do that in the NBA than it is these other places where it's like, oh, I'm sorry you're happy, but you're going to have to stick it out at least for another couple of years through this, and then we'll see what we can do. It it depends. It really does. It, I would say yes, it generally is easier in the NBA because a lot of these contracts, it, it, it really just it really boils down to the contracts. It, it's really where it is. So I guess I guess now is as good a time as any. I could just kind of yeah, deep dive we only got about the, four minutes into left the game situation. Yep. So what in my in my case with Damian Lillard, I understand where he's coming from. The man has really grinded out with with Portland. He has you know stuck through it. That and Portland has over the years in his career not been able to put a team together that has truly been able to compete in the West. Has truly been able to win. It seemed like Dame wanted to stay there. He, I think he really did. I think he wanted to stick in Portland. I think he wanted to stay there and, and end his career there. I think that's where he really wanted to maintain and stay for the rest of his career. Well, obviously, everybody's telling him, Dame, if you want to win, this is not it because it seems – I mean, Portland's in a rebuild. Like, yeah. Portland is in a rebuild. They stumbled into a really saying, quick way to rebuild, too. very quick way. But trading away C.J. McCollum was really the first step. Trading, trading away C.J. To, to the to the Pelicans, I felt like that was the beginning of the end for, for that era with, with Dame. Um, now – if I'm Damian Lillard, I'm understanding where he's coming from. His thought process is, okay, well, if I'm not going to stay here and I'm okay, I'm not winning, I'm not going to stay here, then I'm going to go to a situation where I know I can compete for a championship 100% because you're not just going to trade me somewhere where I can go again and lose. I could have stayed here and done that. I could have stayed where I was, made my money, stayed in Portland, been a lifer, been fine, losing, okay, whatever. But if I'm going to go and I'm going to compete for a championship, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to ring chase, I'm going to ring chase. So if if th- I think that's where his thought process is, obviously from Portland's standpoint, it's, well, we're going to get the best out of you, get your best assets, um, get get the best value back from you. I think a part of this is also on Damian Lillard's agent because he should have had the foresight to know that this was going to come. And he should have put in, there should have been a no trade clause into that extension. There should have been a no trade clause because then you can do what Bradley Beal did with Washington. You can waive your no no trade clause once there's a trade set and he was able to go go to go to Phoenix. Now it's it's we can put you wherever you want, but if you're Damian Lillard, you know you're I mean you, you want to go where you want to win. You want to be able to win, you want to be able to get get this championship and really create a solid team so i get i get both sides um i think the i i truly think there was an oversight on his agent to not not do that um no trade clause i think that would have been the absolute best well way for i don't it to go i don't think it's an oversight i think as a team just been like no we're not doing that 
the only person, there are only two people, maybe three. I think there's two or three t- players in the entire league that have that, and Beal should not have been one of them. It's like LeBron and Beal. And yeah. it's like if you're if you're a team, you're stupid to do that. And Washington was stupid to do that right. because you lose all leverage. That's right. when yeah. when you demand a trade to a place, you have no the yeah. guy will just veto it. Right. And so yeah, they, I'm sure I, I bet the agent tried, but Portland you know has a, an ounce of a brain, yeah. I, I, unlike Washington. I want. I wonder. I wish I, I. I wonder if they if he did try because but but at the same time I wonder if he didn't because obviously Dame was so dead set on staying in Portland. So I, I just wonder if the change of mind just happened in the last year or so. And I feel like in my mind, that's on the agent. You got to be like, hey, let's maybe see if we can, you know, put in, see if we can talk them into a no trade clause here at this point. Or Dame could have just been like, no, I want to stay in Portland. But now that the way that they drafted Scoot, the way that things worked out, obviously it doesn't make sense for him to stay. It just, it just didn't. I just think I that yeah. when we assess these three leagues, the way I see it is – Football, they're the powers for the team. Yeah. Okay. In baseball, I think it's the most even. I think there's power on both sides. I think it works well for both sides. In the yeah. NBA, it's power to the players. Absolutely power to the and players. And if I'm Portland, you know, look, I'm I'm looking for a balance. I'm not really looking to to say either side should be the main power holder. If I'm Portland, I want to get the best return. Right. Like Damien has every right to every request right. a trade. Every right. But if you wanted to control your destiny, where you go? Don't sign the extension. I also how's that? that? You know, like don't sign a five-year extension. Sign a two-year extension if you're unsure. Something like that. So that's where you negate the power to tell the team where to go. Right. And so on Portland's end, it's like I know that they're trying to be cautious of well, other guys, you know, will see us trade him not to where he wanted to go, then they won't want to come here. No one's been wanting to go to Portland anyway. (laughs) Their best, their best players they've ever had were drafted guys like Clyde Drexler, Bill Walton, and now Damian Lillard. That. That's you don't go to Portland to begin with, so you got to get what's best for them. Lillard yeah. forfeited the the right to go wherever he wanted when he signed the five year extension. He fair. still has the right to ask for a trade. Everyone yeah. does, but now it's well within Portland's right to say, you know, we looked at Miami; they didn't have what we wanted. Right. You know, do does have what we want? Utah. Right? How's that sound? Yeah. Not, good for, Not Lillard, good for Lillard, but maybe they get. Five right. picks from Utah, and right. then all of a sudden they're great there. I yeah. think he ends up in Miami for what it's worth. I do too. But I'm just saying that that has been the the the, the paradigm shift in the NBA with yeah. the players has been the teams have all, almost lost more leverage than yeah. uh, or they have lost more leverage than any of the other right. leagues, and it's right. been a fascinating dynamic. Yeah. The uh, lastly to throw in the NFL, I do appreciate what Saquon Barkley's doing. Um, I think that. Um, him not signing this franchise tag that is adding more power to a player in sense with the NFL because he obviously wants to get that contract done he's saying he's going to sit out that's kind of what the NFL players have kind of started to do is hold out instead of instead of just signing and playing on that because they want to get their money yeah I mean uh, the franchise tag again particularly with running backs running backs is always so tough in the NFL to try to get your contract. We are out of time for hour number two. Great discussion right there on the other side of this break. Have a brief thought on SEC Media Days coming up and then a wacky Wednesday. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Welcome to hour number three of Sports Call on this Wednesday. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here. T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls today. If you missed any of the show so far, you go back and check it out in the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live, if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola, taste the feeling of course you can go and check out that sports call podcast presented by coca-cola after we do this wacky wednesday in just a few minutes uh but before we do that uh tom i know this is your last show yeah of the week so uh the next time we'll see you after this will be in nashville at the yeah. sec media days just want to get your thoughts on what you're hoping to hear from some of these coaches and and uh, personalities, and just like what interests you going into uh, Media Days 2023? You know, the the main thing that interests me uh, is, as far as the show and, and the amount of guests that we get on, uh, I, we, we were talking off there about having uh, Paul Feinbaum on the show with us uh, one time, and we normally have Cole Kublick on with us, and that that's, that's what I'm interested to see is in, and to hear are these – people's opinions of auburn mainly obviously we're going to be focusing on auburn when we're there uh i want to hear what their their take is on on auburn and where they feel like this program is with uh hugh freeze right now uh as far as anything else um i obviously kirby uh kirby smart's going to be asked about all the controversy going on with georgia i mean they've really kind of railed against the atlanta journal now uh and asking for a retraction on some of the stuff they're reporting so you know that's going to be asked and then uh a lot of UGA fans think that AJC has like a hit out on right. UGA. So it's you know it's a uh, I, I I don't know of anything just like in particular that I am ready to hear about and ready to talk about other than Auburn. I I want to know about Auburn. I want to see what the 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 national thought is on Auburn and and where they stand right now as far as. Uh, in the SEC in the West. Yeah, we look forward to getting a lot of great guests throughout the week. Uh, will be different dynamic with Auburn on Tuesday yeah. instead of on Thursday. Usually, you know, we schedule these guests Monday through Wednesday, and then Thursday we try to leave the door open to Auburn guys. But also, it just is a lot of people starting to leave. Uh, that it does right. not behoove them as much to stay for just two or three more schools and. And, uh, you know, usually it starts to get a little barren. And we're one of the last shows out there because we are an afternoon drive time show that goes off air at yeah. 6, 6 Central Time. I, I can tell you that pretty much every year we are either the last or second to last table to vacate. 
uh, media days. It is right. a it is a lonesome feeling uh, by the end of Thursday. <laughs> we are very proud of being there uh, up until the finish of it, and uh, we certainly value all that. But uh, with Auburn on Tuesday, you know we're going to have uh, maybe a little bit later in the week leaning. Uh, deal where you know some some of the SEC stuff like uh, Greg Sankey and John McDade usually are so good about spreading out their time to all the days and that sort of thing. We were just working. Me, uh, Brooks was sending an email off, starting to get hooked up with a couple of contacts for next week, and so we certainly certainly want to get a lot of people's different opinions. I'm looking at media days. I would like to get as close to a head count as possible on where everyone which. Which coaches stood where on the eight game versus nine game schedule? Uh, yeah, true. Because we talked a lot about that. It, I, I value that discussion a lot. In years past, when I was not the host of the show, I was down at every single main media press conference. That will not happen this year. I just will not be able to go to all of them with the duties that that I'll have and the interviews we'll have. But I, I'm going. We're always given the transcripts of what was said. They're always sure. emailed to us, and I'm going to be trying to go through those transcripts each day to see about where. Um, where the it, it, I assume these guys are going to get asked about it. I, I just right. don't think everyone's doing their due diligence if, if they're not asking about one of the biggest league issues. I mean, look, everyone's still going to ask expansion questions. Everyone's going to ask NIL questions. Those questions yeah. will cease to stop for a long period of time. But the new thing on the agenda is clearly, hey, Oklahoma, Texas, it's coming. It's yeah. 12 months away. They're going to be this league this time next year. And so – why did all of a sudden it go from oh yeah nine's happening let's just say how they do the nine to no it's 50 50 now and it's what's like i just i just want to see who's on what side of the fence i know there's some you can kind of read some tea leaves on some teams you can kind of deduce there is some reporting on where teams stand but Maybe administrations were different than head coaches maybe 13 head coaches wanted nine games you know, I mean, maybe all, almost all of them wanted it. Maybe maybe fewer than half. Maybe it was right. the ADs that were pushing the head coaches to have nine. I, I just want to hear as much commentary on possible from those guys uh, and, and, and see who, who was on which side of that fence. Yeah. The biggest thing is it's going to be a new venue, new. Yeah. Everything, Brand to, new. Get, everything to get used to. New town, new hotel, new everything. Do you, do you like that it's going all over the place? I do. I, I'm a traveling type guy. Yeah, I was going to okay. say, travel's fun. I think that's kind of what makes – that's kind of part of what makes it enjoyable, I feel like. I know this is my first SEC Media Days, but I feel like as – you know, because I, I remember we talked about they're potentially trying to go to Dallas and, like, you know, moving around different places, I guess, year to year. Um, I, I think that would make it much more enjoyable and, and just a cool experience overall. I, and it, it, I, you know, it, there is the comfort factor, like when you're there at, at the uh, in Hoover, and you kind of know where everything is. You know, you know where your restaurants are. You know where your bars are. You know where you're gonna set up. You know where you need to go to go upstairs to certain rooms and all that. And I mean, there's that comfort factor. But moving to Atlanta was cool at the, at the Football Hall of Fame, and now we're going to a different venue. It, it's neat, and it, you know it's kind of cool to spend a few days in a different town. Uh, exactly. I've, I've never I've never spent this long in Nashville. I've been through Nashville and stopped briefly, but I've never had four days in Nashville to you know yeah. be around in that right. area and, yeah. and see everything. So you're gonna go hit one of the bars, Tom? 
I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I we got work to do. We got work to do. I, I mean, I'll probably you cowboy pop. hat. You can bust out. Nah, no, nah, no cowboy hat. <laughs> nah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's neat. It, it's it's a cool experience. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. But yeah, as far as like nuts and bolts of media days, my obviously my main thing is Auburn. I want to see where these guys, uh, the national talking, the national pundits, talking heads, however you want to talk about it. I want, right. Where, where do they see Auburn and what their thoughts, uh, you know, on a national level? It, because it's it's different for us. We're we're all Auburn fans, and so yeah, we can be neutral and we can look at things on that neutral side of it. But deep down, we're still Auburn still fans. Still got a little bit of rose colored glasses. Sure. Yeah. And, and so to get that completely neutral uh, person that has, you know no connection to Auburn, but have you know see what they think and where what they see what they're thinking about uh you know i, I i'm curious to see i, I, mean, I, I heck, mean you could ask just about what they thought about hugh freeze really you know well, I mean, sure the that high, was a just, debatable topic at the time i think everyone just, is feeling absolutely. better about it now but i mean there that caused some vitriol for a little while amongst yeah. some, a part of the Auburn fan base again that fan part has at least diminished yeah. and has been quelled for the time being but but then again and then you know hopefully we will actually have Hugh Freeze at the table with yes. us and I and well, you know I, I would assume that we will uh and those are you know the questions that we can ask Hugh Freeze we we actually get Hugh Freeze face to face at our table and you know you don't get that any other time during the year I mean, you get your press conferences and everything, but I mean, to have him sit down at a table with you and you have those one-on-one conversations—that's always just so cool. And and the players, you know, obviously, I want to talk to Hugh Freeze more than I do the players. I do want to talk to the players, but I want to be able to talk to Hugh Freeze face to face, have him at the table and ask him the questions. You know, how, what is his comfort level here at Auburn? What you know, the decisions that it, you know uh, to come to Auburn and and did the. You know, did some of the things that were being said have an effect on him or anything? You know, I, just those types of questions. It's, that's the thing that I look forward to the most. Yeah, and uh, we're absolutely going to do everything in our our power. We we've got got a pretty good record of getting uh, Kirk the Sampson. On. Kirk Sampson's always good to us. Yeah, uh, we've uh, we've been able to get Brian Harson in, in years past. We got Malzahn on, I think, in oh. twenty nineteen. I want to say in Birmingham. So uh, we we certainly can do everything we can to do that. I, I personally, venue wise, uh, I could go either way. There's, I think there's pros and cons to both. Uh, the fact that it's been in Birmingham and that's where I'm from is plays a big part for me personally. Obviously, bias. Uh, well, I'm, but I'm I'm letting you know my bias there <laughs> yeah. is that you know that is obviously a great opportunity to see family and to see other friends. I know when it happened, uh, the last time it was in Birmingham, I was able to not only see my, my parents for a little while, but also see a couple of high school friends. And so, yeah, like that's obviously going to be a part of why I cherish that opportunity. It's also so cleanly run. I think it was run in Atlanta the second time, much better than it was run the first time. Yeah. First time in Atlanta, there was a lot of bickering going on. Like this is kind of in a weird location, and what's going on here? And man, this just isn't Birmingham and that sort of thing. And then they they got it ironed out the yeah. second time. Well, yeah, because that first time in Atlanta, they had the uh, radio and everything tucked away in a yeah. room, away from everything yeah. else. And then finally, they got it in the main Hall yeah, of Fame building. A, it was in the hotel, and yeah. I I don't I think that's going to be more the setup in Nashville. I think there's stuff on different floors. Yeah. From what I'm understanding, what I'm reading, we always get there 
uh, on Sunday to try and scout some of that stuff right. out. Um, I think there's at least two different floors involved here, maybe even a, a, a third floor. So I don't, I don't know exactly how sure. that's going to work out. That complaint could return uh, this year. It was much better last time in Atlanta to be in the Hall of Fame and just yeah. walk right down the stairs to the main media room and to, to the meal area and, and all that. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a it was a borderline chore. I don't want to sound entitled, but it was a borderline chore to get from Radio Row to the main media area the first time in Atlanta because you had to go out, you had to walk downstairs, get out of the hotel, walk on the sidewalk to oh, the College Football Hall of Fame, oh, and walk in there. It was like a seven, eight, nine minute deal. And it's like again, that doesn't sound like this huge thing, but when you've got fourteen main area press conferences right. to go to, plus all the interviews that we do, that's a lot of logistical work that you really just love cut out of it. So they fixed that the second time. So I'll be curious to see how that goes. All that to say is the other argument for Birmingham is just they have such an efficient process of Radio Row is right below the main areas you walk right up those stairs it's a two-minute jaunt the meal area is right across from radio row it's just very efficiently run and and, and that sort of thing but but uh, yeah obviously the the family side of it for me is is always nice in birmingham and also i don't want to start getting out too far away from this area and jeopardize our ability to travel uh, to the place because again that, that's a conversation for next year but no idea what's going to happen with it out in Texas and I do believe it's going to be I think in Dallas next year maybe Houston but I think it's going to be in Texas uh, next year we're going to go to our first time out here of hour number three when we come back a wacky Wednesday we cooked it up mid show it's a on the fly it's a little appetizer of shark facts we're going to dive we're going to talk we're going to talk sharks on wacky Wednesday coming up right after this you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au i'm Britt bowen voice of auburn women's basketball and auburn softball you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday. Again, uh, last show for Tom before SEC Media Days. Cam will be back with us on Friday as we uh, we get set for the first voyage to Nashville uh, for SEC Media Days. And certainly looking forward to that and been getting emails all week about it we are we gonna try to go to uh nashville super speedway you know he invited us to go and ride the pace car i just don't know when we're gonna have time i know that's my that's the thing i hate about it it's just like we've got to be at the venue monday through thursday during the day do you have a food that you're trying that you're looking forward to up there (laughs) 
Dude. Yeah, I was looking. Uh, Cam knows. I was looking earlier. I was like, is there another Brazilian steakhouse up there? <laughs> so uh, close. And they're temporarily closed. Oh. And there was one yeah. that, that they, there was a fire. Close. I read into it because I was so oh, hurt wow. about it. There was a fire. And they're oh, having to re- rebuild. And oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. we could try some Nashville barbecue. Yeah. Well, well, that's what Nashville I was going to say, chicken. Na- yeah, yeah, Nashville is known for hot chicken and. The Hattie B's, the original Hattie B's. So, oh, right. I ate there. So, I've never, re- I've never eaten at the original Hattie B's. But now every time we go to Birmingham for media yeah. days, I go into yeah, downtown yeah. Birmingham and eat at Hattie B's. And anytime we're in Atlanta, one of those days I go and eat at Hattie B's. Hattie B's hits. I am going to the original Hattie B's. That I line. don't care what I have to do. That line's I'm, long. I'm going to get me some hot chicken at Hattie B's. That line That's was fair. long. When I was up there for the SEC tournament for a few days, that line was. Always. Well, and it was long in Atlanta too. Yeah. You have to wait Always a while, but man, it's a big deal. That chicken is so. It's good. so good. It's very good. Yeah. I, if I you mean, like I'd hot chicken, yeah, and and I, I like hot. I chicken. usually, you know, I'm usually not privy to extremely spicy foods, um, but I've kind of come around on it. Yep. And so the hot chicken's not too bad. I kind of, I kind of have started to appreciate and like it. Um, you know, obviously, I, don't, I try not to go like crazy hot because you know Hattie B's has the levels. Oh yeah, and I usually try to keep I usually try to keep it on the milder side right. still, but it's it's still really good. I, I like it a lot. See, I go with the I go with the uh, half chicken, so you get like a breast right. and wing connected, mm-hmm. and then you get a thigh and leg connected. You get to try one of each, basically. Right, yeah. and and usually I one of those I get done in hot, and the other I get done in damn hot. Mm. Yeah, I can't do it. And I've had it, it would that the damn hot sauce there at Hattie B's it, it will show enough get yeah, your sign it is damn hot Dang, it is. yeah <laughs> but there's I, but then there's a shut the cluck up oh I wouldn't do that <laughs> one yeah you gonna venture on that side no. ever nah nah because okay. damn hot's already damn, damn, damn hot Dude. damn hot's <laughs> yes, damn hot no, it's no it's talent. hard it's it's tough to finish that yeah right. I've only had Hattie B's a couple times despite living in Birmingham and it came a little bit later I didn't I never went my parents never went downtown they they worked downtown they did not want to stay downtown so they they'd worked at UAB they'd you know buckle up get home right. and then so I did not really start going downtown at all till college age and so I only went to Hattie B's a couple of times so I'd still be down for that. I know there's also a couple events though that they're putting on. One at Nissan Stadium, one at uh, Bridgestone Arena, right? For the media, so we'll probably go to those. I so. don't know what they are like. What? So the, I would imagine. I'm, I, I'm again. I could be wrong, but what we did last time in Atlanta was they had a night out at um, at not. I've almost said Bridgestone again at um, the Omni. Mercedes Benz. Mercedes Benz, thank you. Oh, I'm sorry, oh, I just oh the, the media the media yeah. event at Mercedes, yeah. and we went club level, field level, okay. and they had free food, mostly finger food like yeah. hot dogs yeah. and okay. yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Maybe pulled pork sliders. I think so. Yeah, something like it's that. like stuff, a little mixture of a bunch yeah, stuff like that. Light, light Tailgating type food, right, right, uh, and then drinks free free bar, mm-hmm. um, oh. and oh, yeah. uh, we just hung out at the club level for a couple hours, okay. and so I imagine. That the event at Nissan or at Bridgestone, one of those two or both, it's going to be might that. will probably something like that. There'll probably be some sort of club space, event space, rent it out where we just hang out, yeah. eat a little bit, cool. drink a little bit, and then That's and then there was a media party uh, at the one of the bars there in Atlanta. I can't remember if it was at the Omni. I, I want to say it was at the Omni. It's like a 
A hotel? Really? I I, th- I think so. But there was like a an out. There's a bar. There's an inside bar, but then this huge outside patio that kind of overlooks downtown Atlanta, and we're yeah, all yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Oh, I yeah, thought yeah, yeah. that wasn't. Uh, you're talking about like towards the end of the trip, mm-hmm. like Wednesday night, maybe? something like that. Yeah. Um, I think that was that uh, was just down. It was like walking down the street from yeah. Because like, we we went to that too. I think yeah. I just uh, I remember I, hung, I was hanging out with Jake Crane and. Uh, Oh, uh, T. Bob A. Beer and all them. Yeah. I was hanging out with those guys. They might have had two different events that night. I don't. Yeah. I don't remember. But yeah, so they usually have stuff, something too. Uh, so the the biggest thing though with Nashville when we were talking about the hot chicken that j- just like in Philadelphia and they have battles over their Philly cheesesteaks and in New York they battle over right. pizzas and stuff like that. In Nashville, it's the hot chicken. Yeah, so for sure. We were talking Hattie B's, but I mean, there's huge rivalries and huge. Uh, dissension among locals and everybody in Nashville over who has the best hot chicken. So, you know, you've got Bolton Spicy Chicken, Hattie B's, Big Al's Deli. Prince's Hot Chicken Shack is one that I've heard a lot about. Mm. Uh, And then there's a Pepper Fire Hot Chicken. But, yeah, I mean, hot chicken is such a thing in Nashville that, yeah, there's a lot of dissension over who is is the best and who is their favorite. But You know who my favorite is? Hattie B's is going to be, like, right within walking distance of my hotel, so – you gotta go there. They gotta go there. You know who my favorite's gonna be? Whoever sponsors the Thunder Chickens. Hey, yeah. Let, there we go. Get a Thunder Chicken sponsorship, even though they're not even in this city. No. All right. So uh we've already kind of been going off the track. I'll, I'll take I'll take I'll take one of our Thunder Chickens jerseys and it's like, hey, y'all wanna hang a Thunder Chicken jersey on your wall? <laughs> <laughs> You just don't give them the dry fits, though, the, the new ones. I oh, know, it, no, it'd be yeah. one of my old ones. Yeah. Uh, all right, so it is a Wednesday. We promised a, a, at least a little bit of a wacky Wednesday, sure. so let's get to it. Sometimes the conversation can go off the tracks. It's time for Wacky Wednesday. All right, so I teased, but we might have something on Monday. Just kind of ran out of time for planning. Sure. Thought it would be food or drink related because a lot of them have been. Couldn't. Couldn't get cooking on that. And then all of a sudden we had some trivia uh, today, and we realized that it's Shark Fest on Discovery. Nat Geo. Nat Geo. Yeah. uh, Shark Week's on Discovery. Yeah, Shark Week on Discovery in August. July is Shark Fest on Nat Geo. And so we were like, you know, we won't give the full hour, but let's just give 15, 20 minutes to a bridge wacky Wednesday. And so we're doing some shark. Also, sharks have been all over the place this summer. Again, I've never seen more videos of them at the beach. You caught one. James wanted trivia. They're all corners of it. Another shark movie hits the big screen in two or three weeks. It's all over the place. So let, let's go for it. Let's get I, some shark yeah, shark facts. I, I going. was I was in Navarre where Jaws two was filmed. Oh, was it really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yep, very nice. So uh, yeah, that's there, a shark fact in a way. There, there you go. Jaws two was filmed in Navarre, Florida. There you go. So uh, first of all, there's over 370 species of sharks in the world. See, I just I I know of 12 of them ish. No. 370 <laughs> species. Uh, sharks have upper and lower eyelids, but they do not blink. What the. I don't know why they have eyelids, but they, they don't have blink. upper and lower eyelids, but they don't blink. They do not blink. Yeah. Sharks are weird. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, but okay. All right. And so this this one now. They this, keep their eye on the prize. Yeah, yeah. This And this is part of the prize is, is why so many bites. Sharks like to taste what they are eating and aren't in a rush to eat something they don't care for. They prefer sea turtles to humans. About 90% of people bitten by sharks aren't eaten. They actually survive as long as prompt medical care is given for the bite. Most people have survived. Yeah. This is 
This is so what we were talking about uh, with Steve the other day. That because uh, yeah. Steve even brought this up. I don't know. Maybe he heard us talk something about shark, but uh, he was bringing up some shark facts and that they legitimately don't like the taste of humans. Right. Yeah, they and, prefer to eat sea turtles. Apparently, and Poor sea again, turtles. I wouldn't know. It's kind of um, and uh, with all the things we put don't want to know. I can't blame them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so you know, we don't I, taste great. Apparently, yeah. so here's your, here's your wear more deodorant. We're, we're, <laughs> we're not a good dietary supplement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what what pl- here's a trivia question? See if y'all can answer it. What what place averages the greatest number of shark attacks annually? Shark attacks. Uh, in the world of United States. It doesn't say. It just says blank averages the greatest number of shark attacks annually. Interesting. I I would I would really think the West Coast, like somewhere like maybe like California. Like Monterey. Monterey yeah, is like, like really known yeah, for. Like ground. Somewhere in bro, California. I don't know. Uh, I, I would say maybe Hawaii. I'm just going to. Maybe. Australia. Where was. Australia. Where was the setting of Jaws? Like, well, not where it was filmed, but where they claimed it was. I thought Maine it was like, or something. Yeah, it was supposed to be like in the north. Yeah, north the northeast or something like that. I'll just go, I don't know, New Jersey or something, or New, New Northeast. I don't know. Something off of it. No, the it's Florida. 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 Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thought too much about yeah. it. Part Florida. of it's because it's got, it's the peninsula. It's got, yeah, well, well, the, well the, gulf, the, yeah. Gulf, the Gulf has a lot of sharks. Uh-huh. A lot of sharks in the Gulf of Mexico that, and definitely like to come up around shore. So, yeah, Florida averages the greatest number of shark attacks annually. Does it give a number? It doesn't. I, I could probably look there, or if somebody else wants to look it up, but it just gives me that. Uh, a shark may grow and use over 20,000 teeth in its lifetime. Did know that because they fall out all the time. Yep. Yeah. Oh, That's so they, so they just keep recycling yeah. teeth, basically? Yeah. That's why shark teeth are everywhere. They they always are growing teeth. Yep. 20,000 wow. teeth. I did. How many, how many do they have at one time? I don't know that. I, just, I mean, just just a, I, mean, I know they, they have, you know, obviously we have our upper and lower, but they have like layers towards the inside of yeah. their mouth huh. and it gets smaller i know i do know another fun fact about sharks they have to continuously swim or they'll die mm-hmm. so i've got some basic i'm gonna to want to get back to that in a second. <laughs> uh, i've got some uh, the basic numbers here in 2022 there were 57 unprovoked bites worldwide Right. Which is significantly lower than the previous 10 year average of 74 unprovoked bites annually. So apparently there's unprovoked, unprovoked versus provoked. I don't know why people would provoke that. Well, it's people that uh, catch them and are screwing with them okay. after they catch them or just. Yeah. So, but what, what we're talking about in this whole expanse of the world where there is more water than land, then there are only 57 unprovoked bites last year. Yep. And uh, we usually average seventy four as a world. As a world, I've never used that term. As a world, we we we, we average seventy four uh, per year, and that is via the University of Florida, by the way. Oh. That is their data. So, what was that about? They they gotta continuously swim, swim yeah. or die. Yeah, they. It's something about like current flow and motion while they're swimming. They have to continuously, yeah, keep moving or like they. I don't even think they – I think I don't even know how they necessarily sleep. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But um, – No wonder they get yeah. irritated sometimes. No sleep. I had four hours last night. I've been a pain to deal with today. I'm just <laughs> well, speaking of swimming, sharks can, uh, sharks can travel up to 40 miles per hour. Yeah, it's faster than we can swim, folks. Uh, yeah. 
if uh, if it desires to take a bite out of you, uh, then you're not going to out uh, swim that one. No. And also, when sharks are frightened, they swim in a figure eight pattern. It's fair. So, which seems counterintuitive. Yeah, because to they would to keep get a- coming back to what they're scared of. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, you know, a shark's worst enemy itself. I'm just kidding. A dolphin. Yeah, yeah, dolphin. Yeah, dolphins are what? Yeah. Dolphins, so dolphins travel in pods, and oh, if you so they them, overwhelm. Yeah, them. they they beat the brakes they, off the shark. They, they actually, do, they actually do, and it, well, it's also been shown. It's been shown that uh, that do, because dolphins are so smart. Yeah, if there are humans in the, if there are people in the water and sharks are nearby, there have been times where dolphins will come up and get in between the humans and the sharks. Yeah, wow, scare yeah. the sharks away from. Let's go, them. Miami. Yeah, dolphins are big awesome. dolphins they, they, guy this year. Yeah. <laughs> they they dolphins actually, guy. dolphins will actually protect yeah, humans yeah, when dolphins. when sharks come near. They will actually get in between them. And push the, do- the the sharks away from dolphins are always. What's that? What's the dolphin friendly. movie? Um. Um. There's oh my cute... gosh! I know what you're talking about. Oh man! Oh, I can't. Flipper? 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 Is yeah. it Flipper? Yeah. Flipper. I think it's oh Flipper. My gosh! Yep. I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah, it's Flipper. Big, big yeah. Flipper fan. Uh, <laughs> this says on average about one person per year is killed by sharks. There's over... dolphin tail. Dolphin tail. Oh. I think it's. I think it's Flipper I'm thinking of. Flipper is the fa- yeah. more famous one. But, yeah, on average, about one person per year is killed by sharks. Over 3,300 Americans die from drowning over that same 365-day period. So, Dang. So you're going to drown a lot. 10 a day, drown. Mm-hmm. Right. But one a year. Is yeah, yeah. The attack. chances of a shark attack are relatively low. Is it, So, basically, what I'm – and granted, I like horror movies and – one of the more iconic ones is Jaws. This is starting to uh, fall under the category for me of things that are actually way less of a threat than you real than you grow up right. to believe. Like we've talked about this with quicksand before. Like I just assumed quicksand was going to be a big deal. Like I just thought that quicksand was going to come just, into play and just suck and you down. just got to avoid that, you know. Right. And it's just never once come into play no. for me. And so for sharks, it's like okay, I just said seventy four bites in a year was a lot for the world. Right. Not just for this this country or one part of the country, for the world. So unless you're actively trying to irritate them, catch them, whatever, like l- l- think about that probability. There's 74 out of the world in a 365-day yeah. period. I mean, that's well, so minuscule. Just take, for example, the, the video that came out on, I believe it was July the 3rd, the video came out of the shark swimming in Navarre Beach, like right, right there near the pier. All those people in the water – they were, now they were getting out of the water pretty sure. quick, but that but that shark was not going after those right. people. He was yeah. just swimming along looking for fish or yeah, chasing still, fish man. or something. He was I'm not. Out. He had nothing to do with all those people that were in the water. But it was just frightening because there was a it's shark, giant shark swimming around. So I'm not risking it. No. Yeah. That's oh, why no, I, don't like the I ocean. wouldn't. Yeah. This is why. This is why I don't. This is why I don't beasties. do. I don't do ocean. You know what yeah. I'm saying. But now ocean. along those lines, in 2003, Bethany Hamilton was on her surfboard with her left hand dangling in Soul the water, surfer. when a shark bit her arm off at the shoulder. The 13 year old recovered and still competes as a pro surfer. Her story is made into the film Soul Surfer. Knew it. I've seen Soul Surfer a few times. Oh, see, I haven't seen it. Um, Bit her arm. Could you imagine Soul that? Surfer? Just yeah, swimming it's, around and all of a sudden a yeah. shark just bites your arm it's off. A, like, Soul, oh, well, all right. Soul Surfer <laughs> didn't need that also, arm for anything. Uh, Soul Surfer is also a pretty big um, Christian movie. It's a it's a pretty right. big faith based movie. Um, 
but it's it's good. More power to her to keep doing that. It, that's not too unlike the the woman that kept getting on the ships that always. Oh sank. yeah, the ones that always. It's like you know maybe you stop after stop a while, yeah. maybe, but good good perseverance that. there. Uh, sharks can have from one to one hundred babies at a time, depending on the type of shark. Seems like a wide range. Yeah, and I don't know how can you go what a hundred at one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you, they. I guess a litter. I guess it's, it just depends. Yeah. Well, they're called pups. pups. Are there? Yeah. Baby. Are baby there shark species that are endangered? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. I, I have about a, to get there. there. Okay. Uh, along the lines of the bait. Of the the babies, female sharks can become pregnant without any contact from a male. Interesting, I didn't know that. That's a I superpower. Have, I have no idea how that's possible. All right, how are we getting them it. instinct then? Why are we doing? Why are we? Can we not? I don't know. I, I mean, I I just want to be careful. I don't know how it works, but I'm just saying, like, feels like that gives us a great pathway to not make the species extinct. No. About seventy five shark species are in danger of becoming extinct. That's uh, didn't you say there yeah. were three hundred something? I'm yeah. looking so at about 20, a fifth of them. I'm looking at the twenty three most um, endangered right now, and I see number one is the whale shark. Mm-hmm. Number two is the great white shark. Man, yeah. Um, number three I see is a scalped hammerhead, just a basic looking hammerhead shark. Uh, number four, dagger nose shark. Oh, I don't no, really know. Really number five is Gannis shark. Don't know okay. about that one either. Yeah. Angel shark, know about that one, but it that one looks a little. You've probably seen it before, so we want kind of what it looks like. Oh, it looks like a big yeah. ray, yeah, yeah, basically. Um, so it's it's surprising that they are. Uh, you know, you would think because you're like ah, but when you think about the numbers of a shark attack, when you know how often it is and how often it happens. What you deal with, what types of sharks you see, you know, you don't, you're not going to see just a great white, like, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. like, I mean, even the shark that, you know, people saw out there, I, <laughs> that wasn't a great white shark. That no. was, you know, I, I don't know what type of shark. What it part was, of the world great white sharks usually in? I think uh, they're, they're really all around. I mean, they're West coast definitely, but, um, I, a angler actually caught a great white in orange beach earlier this year. Really? Yeah. Good Lord. Really? Really. First I'm ever, just hey, so really? I'm just first, so first ever, first ever, uh, fully documented great white captured on the. Did I don't we, know if it's the Alabama coast or just the Gulf Coast, just but the southeast. But it, but it, but yes. Did he uh, put it back? This they put it back. Okay, you, you have to. Just, it just yeah, sounded like I mean, just, yeah, it's a it, danger. Well, you have to put it back. Two things. One is I'd prefer you know no attack. Great white attack different than like a five foot shark attacking you but then also we just whatever it's one of the endangered ones right. so like let's let's not yeah. make them further endangered yeah i mean i'm i'm pretty sure that it's illegal to, i know it's illegal to obviously hunt them at this point uh, that's why and i'm almost positive that if he's all the way down in there or to to fish them um that he's probably wasn't even near his like his habitat like he's yeah away he's confused home. yeah so like kind of searching uh yeah. so it's definitely uh definitely interesting man the, the, just, the great white was caught down in uh orange beach in may and again, uh, i just I, I was in orange beach in may <laughs> well there you go well, i'm glad you didn't get eaten by a shark <laughs> what do you mean what what part of may 
It was around my mother's birthday, my Mother's Day. Was it around Mother's Day weekend? Uh, let's see. Don't tell me first half of May now. It was first half of May. No! No <laughs> the way. world. That's funny. Mom? Mom? <laughs> Dad? Uh, March the 7th. Oh, March 7th. Yeah, March 7th. Oh, no, we were in there in May. Okay. We're fine. This story was written in May, but it says okay. the catch was on Tuesday, March the 7th. Oh, that was good. about to be the time. Oh. You never know how come never. how close you come. Absolutely not. All right, no. we got time for a couple more facts. we got to take our final break. We'll do TV yeah. Guide. Uh, let's see. Well, you mentioned uh, the whale shark. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Where did I see that one? Um, that was uh, the most endangered. It was one of the most endangered. Where did I just see this? Uh, I'm going to move on. If I come back to it and find it, that's fine. Uh, uh, The dwarf lantern shark is the smallest shark and grows to only about 15 centimeters. I'm sorry, 15 centimeters? 15 centimeters. The dwarf lantern shark. Smallest shark grows to only 15 centimeters. The big no such a thing exists. The biggest shark is the whale shark, which right. can be up to yeah, fifty feet long. Freaking huge! So yeah. your smallest shark is fifteen centimeters, and your largest shark is fifty feet. There's a lot of variations of these things. <laughs> is the moral of the story? Yep. Goodness, I never. Did. I would have guessed like, oh, two feet would have yep. been the smallest one. No, fifteen centimeters. Yeah, a shark can hear fish in the water from more than a mile away. Hmm. Good here. Yep. Good. Uh, here, here's one that's neat, since this is what I call a nurse shark. Nurse sharks in captivity have been trained to push buttons with their snouts. Okay. <laughs> Effective maneuver for them. Why? I don't know. To, I guess right. they, they train them to want food and press button and get food. Okay. Press button, get food. Press button, get food. <laughs> <laughs> Just, they've, they've got the brain uh, wired that way. Um, let's see. Apart from people, a shark's greatest enemy is another shark. Most sharks will happily eat any of their relatives, including members of their own species. Oh, well, don't endanger themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Cannibalism. Man, yeah. last one. Find one more. Uh, let's see. Let me find a, if I can find a good one. Uh, this is actually kind of a neat one. Sharks can see almost as well behind them as they can in front. That's pretty, that's pretty tough. So literally eyes in the back of their head. Yeah, that's tough. Well, and you know what? It probably comes from the feel thing, yep. where they can hear and that sort of thing. That's probably probably use that all in correlation. Like, oh, I feel a vibration behind me, that sort of thing. So, uh, that's some good stuff. We're gonna take one final break in the show. That was our Wacky Wednesday Shark Edition. Uh, we had a lot more. I was looking kind of at Tom's page. We have a lot more. Maybe we'll hit that back up when Dis- uh, Discovery does their Shark Week. I, I don't know. Uh, but one final timeout. Back to wrap up this Wednesday edition of the show. Right after this. Another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Final couple minutes of sports gone today on this Wednesday. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy. 
Our intern, T.P. Hammock, running the board and taking your calls this afternoon. About out of time, just did a Wacky Wednesday with some shark facts, because why not? It's a Wacky Wednesday, after all. The Shark Festival National. That was enjoyable, man. Uh, I will break the news. We will not have a Wacky Wednesday during Media Days next Wednesday. Uh, We should be a little busy. We we definitely are going to aim to be busy, and uh, but we'll try to return with another wacky Wednesday soon thereafter next week. Just a couple. Man, we we should we should just come up with one question that we can ask every interview. Yeah, I'm just too nervous to do that. I'll just be forthcoming. Just like, yeah, I don't want. I don't know. Some some person you got another personality. I bet you all the all the coaches and media. I bet you they get bored with. All the constant. I mean, obviously Maybe that's so. part of the reason yeah. why you're there. But I bet you like a little bit of a relief where it's like just a random question would be like cool. Like best SEC town, not your own to eat in. Yeah, literally anything, anything, something like that. Yeah. We'll, we'll 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 cook something up. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just a minute or two left in the show. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. I've been big on the cooking analogies today. I don't know yeah. why. Because uh, I don't do that usually. I just consume what others have cooked. Anyway, uh, nightly TV guide today, 6.30. It's the Gold Cup. It's the semifinals. United States of America versus Panama. So they're the first game tonight. Mexico plays at 9 o'clock tonight. But USA-Panama, 6.30 on FS1. The final is on Sunday. Got more NBA Summer League action, 7 o'clock on ESPN2. New York Knicks and the Orlando Magic. We haven't really talked much Summer League, but uh, Jabari Smith was awesome in his two games, and he is no longer playing. Uh, He was so good in those two games. Also, you got the S. I've legitimately missed this. Got the ESPYs tonight, seven o'clock uh, on oh. ABC. I did not know that was going on. Yeah, I'll be done. Yeah, I, I, I read something about Patrick Mahomes winning Best NFL Athlete. Yeah, I just admittedly totally missed that. I don't yeah. know. Might might have some thoughts on that tomorrow. Might not. I again, news to me. But seven o'clock on ABC, and then a couple of movie picks for you tonight. Seven o'clock on TNT. It's the first Transformers. And then 7.02 on Sci-Fi. Again, 7.02 for Independence Day 2. Again, just, you know, it was fine. It wasn't great. It was fine. It, it existed. Uh, you know, I don't it dislike happened. movies, so I did not dislike the movie. But at the end of the day, that's not going to win any awards. And I think uh, Independence Day, the original, clearly better. And that is Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Again, next time we see Tom, that will be in SEC Media Days in Nashville. And so uh, getting very excited about that, sir. And uh, we'll we'll have to eat various good food. And uh, we'll see you there, man. I'm going to introduce the Auburn helmet that I built for our table and that's gonna be fun too we'll have to Absolutely. see it's gonna be Take a good looking home dude it's it's sick he's worked on it hard he's been working on it for a while sweet so we'll see you then tom i'll be there looking forward to it and uh cam Barry, thank you for being here today sir we'll see you again on friday yes sir see you friday that will do it for the show today as always we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in for cam Barry and tom Peavy and tp hammock for running the board and taking phone calls i'm ryan lavoy have a great wednesday evening and we'll talk to you again tomorrow